You ever get the feeling like maybe Yosemite isn't fully baked? Occasionally. <laughs> so, yeah, so I went back in and I futzed with my input volume, and I think it's, I think it might have been that. I don't know. I also restarted and did about 10 other things, so I can't, can't tell exactly and the what worst, I fixed. And the worst part is you just, re- you just recorded a show two hours ago and everything exactly. was fine. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I I I did I honestly, unplug and plug stuff back in, but I was like well, that shouldn't happen. I I I really cannot explain it. Now there's a new Skype seven out, and I'm definitely oh my afraid god to... no. Should just like keep yeah. one machine in pristine working condition and never unplug anything or restart it. That's sort of what I do with my MacBook Air. Like I haven't upgraded it to Yosemite. I'm 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 being like old man conservative you know like if it ain't broke don't fix it with this machine uh and it's still you know and i I don't update new versions of skype it's like and it still gives me problems you know like trying to be real conservative about what i do with the software on this particular machine uh it doesn't seem to make a difference i upgrade everything (laughs) (laughs) i have have very little discipline (laughs) Uh, did you run so you run so you uh, have another machine you ran the beta on and stuff like that yeah i i it's been very complicated it's been complicated the last few months because i've had um i had from apple and this wasn't just like a special treat for john gruber thing it was uh uh a lot of us got it they gave us review units at wwdc like a it was a 15 inch macbook pro with okay. yosemite already installed because they actually wanted us to be, start you know, using yeah, right sure. about it right. yeah um uh Syracuse, so i had Syracuse that had five of them right <laughs> he might have he might have needed he might have needed five uh but you know they gave him they gave him an iphone uh i don't know if you listen to atp but he got an iphone six so that he not to review the iPhone six, but so he could write about continuity. the continuity features, uh, which was actually really, really awesome. That he, you know, it was a big help to him. You know, they've been very helpful and stuff like that. Um, but that machine is gone. But now I've I'm down to two machines. I've got a new 13 inch MacBook Pro, and I've already, you know, I've started life. I, you know, I just got it like a month ago. It started on Yosemite. It's never seen uh-huh. anything but. And in my old MacBook Air, I just keep running minus one. I had to get my my wife needed a new machine, and I had to make sure I got it before Yosemite came on everything because she would freak. You yeah. think so? <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't like me to change her operating system. No. <laughs> oh, we've had this discussion yeah. before too. But she doesn't like it either. Like you'll walk by like her iPhone or whatever, and like there'll be like a badge, like a like on the oh, App yeah, Store, that. be like oh my 50, god, fifty seven oh apps. Oh my god, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> do you update your apps automatically? Yeah. Do you have the app store set? Yeah. See, I don't have it set to update automatically, but I do like like OCD like every time there's updates, I install them. But the reason I don't do it automatically is I want to know when there's new ones and I like to read the release notes. Well, that's probably safer. And just in case, you know, I, I can't I can't remember the last time that I've had like an app that I didn't want to update. It's been years, you know, but, you know, just in case there's like, you know, some kind of, you know, regression in an app. Yeah. It happens. Like, like it does definitely happen. Right. Like the equivalent of like what they did with pages and uh, or the iWork suite on Mac 
you know, going from mm-hmm. 09 to whatever they call the new ones. Yeah. And I mean, basically some of that is just because of the way the app store work, the, you know, the approval process, because I mean, normally developers would just roll back something that was, you know, there was a glitch in it or something and they can't, yeah. they can't do yeah. that. It's got, it's, you know, they have to, they have to resubmit. All right. It's yeah. Complicated. Um, you know, I noticed on while I'm talking about pages, I, I, my big complaint and the thing that I could not stand about the update to pages in particular is that for the few things I use word processing for, like, for example, with sponsors, sometimes, you know, if I send them an invoice, I have a pages template and it's really nice. I've got nice typography on it. Um, and for years now, maybe even 10 years, Mac OS 10 has had wonderful built-in system level typography so that like a, a an open type font that has uh small caps and alternate you know the figures the the um, old style figures where the numbers drop below the baseline or sometimes go above the baseline um and you can system-wide you could just open text edit the free text you know just the simple you know the replacement for simple text go to the fonts panel open the typography panel and you get this wonderful typography controls um and my templates were all set up with you know small caps for certain things and stuff like that and pages the new version of pages last year the 2013 version dropped support for all of that in the name of compatibility with ios which doesn't have any of those typography features anymore mm. Um, so I stuck with page like pages in particular. I stuck with the 09 version. Like numbers, there I I don't know. I I don't know what the you know. I'm such a simple simpleton using a spreadsheet that uh, I I didn't notice anything worse in numbers. So I use the new version of numbers, but I use the old version of pages. But I noticed with the latest version of pages, it's it is so complicated. Like I I they you know they had like an update with Yosemite, and I opened it hoping that the typography stuff was back. And it's not like you, if you create a new document in pages and you have a font that has true small caps, not like the fake, you know, fakey fake small caps, but real small caps, there's no way to, to turn text into small caps in the new version yeah. of pages. But if you open a pages 09 document in the new version of pages and you already have small caps, it now still supports it. It doesn't make it go away. <laughs> so it... And it seems like what you can do, it, it doesn't, I, it, I didn't get into it too deep, but it seems like what you can do is you can open a new version in pages. You can switch to text edit and make your text in, you know, use the advanced OS 10 typography features, copy and paste it, go back to pages and paste and it, and it works. That's weird. So, so it's really, really like it. It, it you know it's like it seems like they're making some kind of progress on that front, but it's actually more complicated than it was a year ago when it's simple. It was just a simple answer: no, you can't use those features. Anymore. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that whole thing they did with iMovie years ago. Yeah, yeah. When they switched from being a sort of uh, very basic, traditional, nonlinear video editor to, to whatever <laughs> it was, was that they <laughs> right. <laughs> We haven't seen that guy. Yeah, we haven't seen that guy like recently. What's that guy's name? Randy, Randy Ubalos. Yeah. Is Randy still there? You know, I, I he may not be there anymore. That's a very good yeah. question. I, I heard something about him possibly leaving. Not like out of any, you know, that he was in trouble, but sort of, a, <laughs> you know, that he'd been there. He'd been, you know, burned right. out, you know, that, you know, that, that, you know, just had been there on major, major software projects for years and years. And he might not be there. I'm not sure. 
It's a good question. Anybody who knows little birdies, you can tell me, and then I'll I'll do it. I'm sure Randy listens to the show. You know, you'd be surprised. No, I, I actually, I mean, that was that was half joke, but half not joke. All right. I actually got a very nice email from somebody at Comcast from the show with Merlin <laughs> last week. It was actually a very, very nice email. Somebody is, you know, seems to be a true fan of the show, and they said that they were they were half laughing, half crying oh, during man. The, first, the first hour of the show. They've since been fired. <laughs> the ATP guys had a good a good bit about. Uh, no, he was not the guy. It was, it was the guy who I want to hear from. Is I want to hear from the guy who made that graphic. <laughs> I want to hear the. I want to hear the story of how that graphic came to be. Um, no, but the ATP guys had a good bit about the 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 way that the iWorks apps regressed feature wise. You know, and comparing contrast that with Microsoft, um, which you know never takes features right. away if there's ever an advance you know if word ever gains advanced typography features you can bank on it that it's never going to lose them in the future yeah and oh and the other thing that they brought up and this to me is so crazy it's like i cannot believe that it's true um and i didn't even know it i actually have it like marked to do more research on it and link it up from daring fireball but apparently the new version of at least pages but maybe it's the whole iWork suite no longer reads documents iWorks documents that are older than the versions created by the 09 versions. Really? So like, yeah. So like pages, like the, the oldest pages document you can open now in the current version of pages is from pages 09. Anything created with a version of pages earlier than pages 09 will no longer open in pages, which is That is crazy. completely crazy. Because I, I was about to delete the old version, you know, the 09 version, because it puts that stuff in a folder. And I was thinking, right. oh, I can just get rid of that. I work 09 folder. It's not. No, no, it's crazy. Or at the very least, and it sounds like such, it's such busy work, but you really like the sensible idea, you know, what you really need to do is find every single iWorks document that you have and open it. <laughs> God. In like, <laughs> if, make sure, see if you have, seriously, this is what you, we would have to do. What we will have to do is, is open up every version, any, any document right. we can find that's older than 09 and make sure it's saved as 09 at the very least. I'll have to go back. I'm sure I've got yeah. some someplace, but I don't probably can't find them right now to try it. But, uh, I will, uh, make sure I'm going to add a note and put that in the show notes and I will have a link where everybody can yeah. do that. But I got to write from it from Darren. But it's so crazy. And, they, you know, the, the ATP can rightly pointed out that for, that is exactly like where Microsoft is so great. Because, like, you just, I'm I, like, you know that Word today, like, <laughs> go buy the latest version of Microsoft Word. You know it opens a DOS <laughs> Word 1.0 document. <laughs> no, well, you know that it does. Right? Would you bet against that? I would that? not like, bet against that at just, all. Right, I could probably test that too, actually. <laughs> right, like, like if you'd set up like a 1984 like PC running like DOS two and like the first version of Microsoft Word for DOS, I don't even know what. But maybe DOS came out later in 1984. Whatever the first year that DOS one, you know, DOS had a Microsoft Word, create a document and save it. I guarantee you that that document will open with full fidelity in today's Microsoft Word. <laughs> did you work? Did you use Word back? Back in the back, back in, in the, the day? day, no, I was always a MacWrite man. Oh, okay, MacWrite, Mac. Okay, yeah, yeah. I used Word until what was it? Word six, where they screwed everything up. 
and then yeah. uh, and then I started using WordPerfect yeah. on a Mac. Yeah, really. Yeah, we my wife and I used WordPerfect for years, even like long after it had been basically forgotten. I don't even know if I ever even used WordPerfect on the Mac. It was kind of nice, and it was pretty. It was for some. I guess it was like the thing was it was always popular. WordPerfect was huge in the legal community. I think. I remember correctly for some reason and then word was like everywhere else and yeah it was a big it was a big problem for a lot of i think and that's kind of what drove a lot of people to switch to pcs because it's like they were using word and they had to switch to word anyway and or, i'm sorry they were using word perfect and they had to switch to on a mac and they had to switch to word anyway and so they're like well i might as well just switch i gotta buy a license so I'm just going to go buy a PC. One thing from that era was that there were no demos for commercial software. And the commercial software was very expensive. Yeah. So you really your only your only options were to pirate it or spend a significant <laughs> amount of money. Like probably I I'm guessing, you know, like a like a WordPerfect for Mac was probably like $149. Oh, that's like that was like the student license. Yeah, yeah, maybe even one hundred ninety nine dollars. Really and that's, expensive. That's like like nineteen ninety dollars. You know, not <laughs> right. not you know, which is you know, it's not. It's long enough ago that inflation has some. You know, some we, were, we were still using the gold standard real. back then. <laughs> <laughs> you could exchange. You could take that dollar and exchange it for gold with the government. <laughs> uh, no, I was always a MacWrite. MacWrite man, and part of it maybe was just that I don't think I had to pay for it. I think because at Drexel we we had like a university wide site license for everything from Claris, right. and you could just go to the student center and um, at least my first like first couple of years, like the early nineties, like ninety one, ninety two, you'd go to the student center with blank floppies, and there was a machine where you would just mm -hmm. put them in. And it would one by one, you know, you'd say, "I want you know the the whole Claris suite," you know. Um, I forget what else they they had, but you know it was like MacWrite and something else. Oh, uh, we had Excel though, because there wasn't a Claris spreadsheet at the time, and we had like a like a like a university wide site license for Excel too. And you would just go there with you know you all you had to do is bring your own floppies, and you bring your own floppies, and you'd get like officially licensed install disks for Excel and MacWrite. Yeah, I always like. I can I can remember not getting uh, getting un, unofficially licensed somewhere that way. <laughs> you can copy. You can there copy a lot Photoshop of onto a floppy disk. Yeah, it's crazy. That it is absolutely crazy. Which was like one point four four megabytes if it was yeah. double yeah. density, high yeah. density. Uh, right. There was yeah. like the yeah. original like floppies. K, you know right? the. Yeah, well, there were 400k oh, ones. Syracuse, Syracuse always uh, dings me on this because I've whenever we go retro on this show, I always say that they started at 800. But no, they're like the like 1984's Max had 400k, wow. uh, 3.5 inch floppies, and then and then the 800 was for okay. a while, and then they so went, that was a middle I think, step. I think the 800 were called double density and, and then high like density, the 1.4 yeah, meg, or high okay. density. Ran out of numbers. Remember, you could take. You remember you could take a double density, the eight hundred K one, and if you punched a hole in the corner, you could it the, the the floppy drive would treat it as a high density. What? Yeah, because there was like to, for backwards compatibility, the way that they did it was uh 
the high density, the ones that were, you know, 1.4 megabyte capacity were the exact same form factor as the 800K ones. So you could put it in the same drive, but the way the drive would recognize that it was high density is that the, the high density ones had a hole in the corner. And if you took like, it was that people made. I don't know if you could just use a hole punch, but there was like a thing that people made you could buy that you would, you would punch a hole in an 800K disc and then the, the, the drive would treat it as a high density one even though like the manufacturer hadn't like made it for that. Like that's how loose and goo loosey goosey we were with our, our data back then. <laughs> Needless to say, those floppies sometimes had a little bit of problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but that's, that's how the world worked back then. And you could fit, you had to be able to fit an app on one disc. I guess you could, there were installers for big, bigger software where the software would run across multiple disks and it would be like a zip file or the equivalent that was spread across multiple. Yeah. Right. Multiple yeah. I remember files. that. I remember that you could, you could use or you could use stuff it to spread them right. across multiple, multiple oh, disks. Uh, I had, a, I, this is a dumb story, but I want to tell it anyway. I, I found my, so I, my son loves playing with the old computers that I've got lying around. Cause I, you know, cause I'm a hoarder and there we have got a we still got a performa 6400 and we came we were down in the basement we came across a box full of um, zip disks and he's like oh he's like what are these I'm like, oh this is, we should try these and so so we went through this ridiculous process because so i was like okay we'll get the zip i still have the zip drive so we get the zip drive out and plug it into the uh the 6400 we start the 6400 up and there's a password on it and i can't remember what the password is and so, okay, that's fine. There's a way around that. And the way is like, if you boot off of something else, you can get, you can get in and just delete. This is the, the high security on, on OS nine. <laughs> you could just delete a file in the, in the, in the systems, the preferences folder, you go into the system folder, go to the preferences folder, you just delete a file and then restart. That's fine. But you got to start with some off stuff else. Well, that model won't start off a floppy disk. So you have to start off a CD drive. Well, the CD drive was broken. <laughs> in the 6400 so so you know and i don't know why i get this compulsion to do this but i'm like i gotta solve this problem now <laughs> it's like not only do i have to solve this problem i gotta stay up late solving this problem <laughs> so i pull the drive the hard drive out of the 6400 and i take it up and i put it in my my power mac my g4 power mac as an extra drive start up delete the file take it back down put it back in the 6400 and as I'm putting it back in the 6400 and reconnecting everything, I have the zip drive sitting on top of the 6400 <laughs> and just down in the basement where there's a cement floor and I knock the zip drive off and I break the zip drive. <laughs> oh. So I went through this huge process and in the end I destroyed the thing that I was trying to connect to the Mac. <laughs> so. So you so, yeah, well, now, now I'm looking at new zip drives. <laughs> so I'm in the market for a new zip drive. Now I was, I looked on, I did look on eBay and it's like 15, 15, 20 bucks to get an old zip drive. And I was like, what, what am I doing at the point where it actually came to shelling out money? My, my time is worthless, but my money is not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like you easily burned, you easily burned 10 times that in, in time. You easily burned hundreds of dollars exactly. worth of hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like like imagine if if like somebody commissioned you to write an article that would take that long <laughs> and then they said and it pays fifteen dollars. 
<laughs> You'd be like, you no, no, thank no way, you, man. Right. But but when it came time to actually give somebody 15 bucks for an old zip drive, it was like, oh, man, no way am I wasting money on that. So I actually I actually had you uh, had cause to use word recently, speaking of the price of word and, you know, that being able to get uh, a license because you could just get it like an office 360 license for you can pay pay by the month and it's like seven bucks a month or something like that for just the regular. Yeah, I mean, so there's no for the Mac version. There's no like enterprise stuff. There's no access. Is that and stuff. true? That um, I saw that that this week and that, they, you know, the, the news, you know, the big news story this week from Microsoft was I mean, I, I don't know if it was within yeah. the last week, but that they've made the the mobile versions of the office apps free to use like pretty much no strings for the attached. basic functionality of it yes or, but it's read you know read read write yeah like they yeah. i think before it was like you could read documents but you couldn't right. write them and now you can and yeah, you can edit them and you can't do track changes and probably a couple other i mean i'm sure there's some other stuff but the big one i think that people often use is track changes and right. that you have to pay for a, a license for uh, and that's and they came out with Android versions too. Oh, is that? Oh, I missed that right? part of that story. That's interesting. Uh, I think so. Let me. Let me. <laughs> I think they because they they had definitely said that they were going to do that. And there was some. There was somebody I saw. Somebody retweeted. Uh, yeah. Okay. An executive from Google saying, "Can't wait to see the versions for Android." Yeah, Microsoft Office Mobile is the official Office companion optimized for your Android phone. You can access, view, and edit your Microsoft Word, Excel, and I'm guessing they're at, it's dot, dot, dot. Yeah. But yeah, they have Android versions. It seems, you know, that, it, and again, you know, it's this, we're with Microsoft, where it's like almost the same boat as with the Apple, with, you know, what would they have done if the old CEO is still there, except, you know, Balmer isn't dead. But <laughs> it does seem, though, but this, it does seem, though, that this is a, Balmer had to go for this to oh, happen yeah. type of thing. Like, and and it makes you wonder how different Microsoft's position in mobile might have been if they had done Years this ago. sooner. Right? Like, what if they had done it in 2009, at least for iOS? Because let's face it, but in 2009, Android wasn't good as a platform wasn't good enough for stuff like office but if at least for the iphone they had done it then uh and then in 2010 when the ipad came out they would have already been on ios and that could have you know if the ipad had debuted in a world where there's already a functional microsoft office suite the point that could that could have really changed their you know their status overall in the post PC world. Yeah, I'm just wondering if it really with so much I mean, because the office the office products aren't really tied into a the way that people work as much as they used to be. And so much of our you know the things that we produce are for the web and office apps are not applications are not really used for web production. Well, for us, that's true. And I, I suspect it's true for a lot of the people who listen to like our shows. But I, my my test for what goes on in the real world is always the, the snooping I do in airports, you know, not snooping, but, you know, <laughs> looking over what are, what's this guy, you know, as I go to the bathroom on the plane, just look at what's on right, people's yeah. screens. That's what I do. 
And I've noticed a lot. I've mentioned this before, but I see it over and over again. I noticed a lot of business people who, you know, just judging by their attire and judging by the fact that they have PCs and that a lot of times I see I see uh, PowerPoint and Excel. I see I see an awful lot of Excel and I also see a lot of um, Outlook email like piece, you know, Windows mm -hmm. Outlook. Uh, and then like I see them like, you know, an hour and a half into the flight, they fold up the the laptop and then they take out an iPad for the rest <laughs> of the flight. I see it over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. It's like they've got they want to you know, they want to get caught up on their email or they're working on a thing in Excel. And as soon as they're done with it, then, for you know, when it's time to like relax, they go to an iPad. Yeah. You're sure they're not just popping the keyboard off their surface? Now, you know what? It's funny. I, I, we can make fun of the surface, but I've, I've seen more and more of them in oh, the yeah. world. I have. I too. definitely am. It's no longer right. a fluke. Well, I don't think it's selling great, it's, but it's not. It's not as right. much. Of, it's not quite well, the punchline it yeah. used to be. And it's. I see more of them than I see people using Windows phones. And again, maybe I'm now. Maybe it's just easier to notice because people. If I see someone using a Surface, it's pretty easy to identify it as a Surface, and it's it's kind of hard to tell what phone somebody's yeah. using. Right, you, know, could you easily, can usually could tell iPhone, an Android phone. Right from the back, without seeing the screen, it's you can usually tell iPhone or not iPhone. But if it's a not iPhone, who the hell knows what it is? And unless you can see the screen. But on the other hand, if you can see the screen, Windows Phone is so distinctive UI wise. I think it's pretty easy. Yeah. And I don't see many of them. I see a lot more Surface yep. tablets. Did you see the whole thing where uh, where, <laughs> where the, the on election night, the yes. CNN anchors were, <laughs> uh, were paid to uh, use Surfaces to have. And then. Right. Just sort of like pretty much exactly like they've done with the NFL uh, for like a year or two where every uh, they've they've like carpet bombed. The, all the NFL um, studio teams, you know, like where they let's go back halftime. Let's get here the halftime report. And everybody in the studio has a surface in front of them. Well, on a, in CNN, <laughs> there were shots where you could tell that their their surfaces were, were being used to prop up an iPad. <laughs> it's so it's embarrassing. Everybody loves the kickstand. Right. <laughs> Makes a great stand for your iPad. It's. I really do mean this. I, I think as like a marketing move, that's actually worse. It, it was overall the the overall net effect of that campaign that was was actually worse because I think there were more people who noticed, you know, who caught on to the, I, you know, they were actually propping up iPads right. angle than who noticed, you know, from TV like, hey, it looks like a Microsoft Surface. It's actually worse. I think it actually hurts their their efforts because it makes it seem like their product's a joke. <laughs> I'm actually in the mark. I might be in the market for a for a PC because my son, who likes to play games, and has his most of his buddies are PC users. He's got like this identification thing now where he wants to get a he wants to get a PC. And it's like some of the, the some of the Minecraft stuff is actually a little bit easier to manage, and because some of the on a on a PC because. The, the install there are specific installers that are written for Windows instead of other clients, and where they're less, they're more generic on the Mac and Linux. So, so the it, it's an it's a weird problem 
to have to be in this in that market because I can't figure out what I mean, I have no idea what to get. Like trying to find a, a laptop, a Windows laptop that is, you know, with my with my Mac standard is really difficult. There's nothing of the same quality, at least not in the same kind of price range. Most of the stuff is uh, plastic and the higher end stuff like there's the razor blade is supposed to be a great gaming laptop pc but he wants a laptop yeah well i think he should have a laptop yeah um he likes yeah i mean he moves it around a lot and and, you know he'd like to take it with him when we travel and stuff like that so but the razor the razor blade starts at like 1900 bucks and I'm not going to give, you know, he's going to spill like a, like Wait, a $1,900, off. $1,900 for start starting wow. price for a razor blade. Yeah. It's <laughs> a nice that. looking, it's a nice looking computer. I mean, it's like, it's like a black, you know, looks like a, <laughs> I say that I, I just realized that I said that, like I was totally offended and I just, I just blew, <laughs> I just blew like $3,500 on my, my MacBook pro, <laughs> which of I course. didn't blink at because I know that it's an excellent machine and it's made of aluminum and has an SSD and a retina screen right. and it's from Apple right. and it's really nice. And I just assumed that the nicest PC there is couldn't possibly cost that much. <laughs> I realized how that's, that, that, that was a very biased thing for me to. To be outraged. Yeah. No, I can totally. No, you don't buy a ten-year-old nineteen hundred. No, laptop. I'm not buying him a nineteen hundred laptop. And then the other ones are the alien. The alienwares are supposedly right. decent gaming laptops, but they start eleven, like eleven hundred dollars. And I don't know. They're big, clunky. You know, they're. So it wouldn't. You don't. And think I'm not sure if this if this experiment is going to take or not. Do you? You don't think though that. Um, uh, uh, What's it called uh, when you reboot a Mac into Windows? Bootcamp. Like bootcamp. Bootcamp yeah. is not the solution. Well, he needs a new machine because he's he's using an old. He's using my old MacBook Pro, which is like right. a 2010. Right. And he's you know he's banged it up pretty pretty heavily. <laughs> well, and the truth is, I mean, I I mean, among you know, there's what there's video editing. I mean, there's a few things that that work wise really push a machine these days, but gaming it's always going to mm-hmm. be at always. I mean, until the end of our lives, it's going to, you know, there's never going to be a, a decrease in pushing the limits of computing, you know, and in game, you know, a four year old computer in the gaming world is ancient. Combine that with the fact that MacBooks aren't exactly known for being optimized for gaming in the first right. place when they're brand new. And you can really, you know, I can right. see how it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, so I could get, you know, I could get like a $700 Lenovo that has a nice video card in it. I mean, it, the thing is made out of plastic. The outside is terrible, but it comes with eight gigs of RAM and it's got a good video card in it. Hmm. Well, hold so, that thought. Let's come back to this. Let yeah, me take a break sure. and thank our first sponsor. But we'll come back to this because it ties into something else. I <laughs> it's <wanted> Lenovo. <laughs> it's our good friends at uh, Squarespace. Now, you guys know Squarespace. There, it's a great way to build your own website. Uh, I just think back to what it was like before things like Squarespace existed, where if you wanted to start a new website and you had to start in something like BB Edit with a n- new document, and that's that's where you're starting from. It was daunting, like, and it would you know you'd only start a new website if you really had wanted to devote a lot of time to just getting it off the ground. Whereas with Squarespace, if you have an idea for a new website, you can actually like have the website up and running in like minutes instead of days. It's amazing. 
It's a, just a totally different world and so much uh, easier. Now, they've been around for a while. They've been sponsoring this show and other shows for a while. I know you've heard about them. Um, but they've re- just launched what they're calling Squarespace 7. And you can go to squarespace.com slash 7, S-E-V-E-N, spell it out, for more information on the stuff that's new. Um, but the key points, they've got a redesigned Squarespace 7 interface, and it's really, really nice. I think their old interface was nice, but the new one is even better. Um, integration with Google Apps, which is huge for a lot of places that are you know all in on Google Apps. Uh, they have a partnership with Getty Images, so it's a lot easier. It's just built right into the Squarespace system to get um, uh, stock photography and stock illustration for stuff. Uh, new templates. They have cover pages now uh, and a whole bunch more. Uh, really simple and powerful. Really beautiful design. The templates are just top-notch, truly professional templates that you can just start with and then tweak from there. Uh, and best of all, 24-7 support via live chat and email. They don't offer telephone support because who who wants to talk on the phone? Nobody. It, it, they, it, this, I, to me, it's they actually advertise it as a feature, and I agree. If you want to talk live, they've got live chat. If you want email, they've got email. And they're 24-7, 365 days a year. You can always get in touch with them. So while you're working on it, if you hit a wall, if you're confused by something, just dial them up on the chat. They want to talk to you, and they'll help you straighten it out. And best of all, it starts at a ridiculous price. It's 8 bucks a month and that includes a free domain if you pay for it for the year so you can register your domain right through squarespace eight bucks a month all of their uh, templates are responsive their website scales to look great on the phone on tablet on big 27 inch retina max imax uh, and every website comes with an online store commerce you could set it up to sell stuff right there and it's just built into the price you don't have to pay extra to turn on this store so start with a trial with no credit card required, no credit card. You just you don't have to like worry that you give them your credit card and they're going to start billing you. Uh, just go there, sign up, and uh, when you do pay, which would probably be like you know two weeks later, whenever the demo period's over, just remember give the, the code. They have a new code for this show, the talk show, all one word, the talk show, and you'll get ten percent off your first purchase. Uh, and then they'll know you came. They'll show your support for the show. They'll, you, they'll know you came from here. So go to squarespace.com slash the talk show. And they'll know you came from here. Find out more. And be sure to check out all the new features in version 7. My thanks to uh, Squarespace. All right. So to me, that the, your, your story about you know not knowing what, what to get for, your, for Hank for a PC is... I feel the exact same way. And I feel like... It's just one of those. It's it's a, a chasm between Apple people and PC people that's only widened over the years. Because to me, one of the great things about being all in on the Apple platform is that it's so easy to know what the best thing to get is. Right. You know, if I want the best iPad, I know to get the iPad Air too, and you know, just decide which color I want and whether I want cellular and you know how much storage I want, and that's it. Whereas if I want the best Android tablet, who knows what it is? If I want the best Windows gaming PC, who knows? Yeah, I mean, there's there's some, some like I said, there are a few manufacturers that specialize in that kind of thing. Um, and But, you know, you go to going to Lenovo's site, too, 
And I mean, and I kind of leaning towards Lenovo just because I don't know. I mean, they've heard that they're okay as as opposed to some of the rest of them. It seems like a lot of the other ones really have decreased in quality over the years, and you know, a bunch of people have gone out of business and people get bought, and the dizzying array of options that you're presented with for just laptops is on just Lenovo's site is ridiculous. I mean, I can't make heads or tails of any of this stuff. And there's a section for, there is a, you know, there's the, it's like a matrix. It's like a product matrix of different numbers. And within those numbers, they'll say one's good for home. One's good for gaming. One's good for business. But I don't know. But then you have yeah, to what basically, mean, you have to basically like navigate through those numbers and like figure out which one. That doesn't make any sense to me, though. Yeah, I mean, gaming is to me either. Gaming is the only one that makes sense to me because gaming means it's going to have uh, high-powered graphics. If if they're being honest and saying this one's good for gaming, that right. you know, it's got to be. It means it's good good graphics, uh, or at least gaming optimized graphics, because you know, it's it's you know, uh, you could have. Like a like a Mac Pro might have very powerful graphics, but it's probably a more you know the drivers are more optimized towards professional applications than gaming. Whereas a gaming PC, you know what it means. It means you know it's set up for all the stuff on Steam to be optimized. You know, perfectly. Right. right. But what's the difference between a machine that's good for home and good for business? I, I, I don't guess, know. What, I mean, I guess that home is mostly just considered email and web surfing. And Why business, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That. And business, and I always get the sense that business is somebody else is paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a more expensive computer. See, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's such an artificial distinction that, that it dates back to the, you know, like uh, back to when we were talking with like Word 5 and Word 6, like 1989 and 90, right. when like business would want like a networking card. Like when it was a card that you actually had to install in the back of the computer so you could plug Ethernet in or something like that. And an Ethernet card was a couple hundred bucks and it was expensive. And there's no way you'd want that at home because nobody had Ethernet at home. Yeah. And so there were, you know, like physical differences between what you'd want in a business environment than a home environment. Whereas it's it's a distinction that's meaningless today. I mean, there's a reason why Apple doesn't have business versus home distinctions in any of their products. Right. There's no business iPhone and business, you know, home iPhone. And in fact, it's the fact that they didn't do that and they don't have any such distinctions is what's driven this whole, you know, I think revolutionary bring your own device to work thing, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's really gotten and, you know, gaining momentum in like the biggest and most buttoned up corporate environments. Yeah, I really think I mean, that, that whole good, better, best thing that they did round 2000 right was that that's no i think it was even earlier earlier okay so maybe it started earlier and it went like up to like 2003 or something like that and then they think they started dropping it um was brilliant and i think they should i frankly think they should still do that i think they do internally but it's it's a little bit blurrier you know it's yeah um well, and the other thing they did was, well, they had good, better, and best, but then they had just had the simple four-way product matrix of pro, not pro, portable, not portable, yeah. right? And there was, so there was the not pro portable was the iBook, and the pro portable was the MacBook, or I guess it was the PowerBook then, uh, you know, 
mm-hmm. iMac was the not pro desktop and the Power Mac. The, Power, Power Mac. Mac. I yeah. was going to say Mac Pro, right? Power Mac was the pro desktop, and that was it. And then within each one, there was good, better, best. Yeah. So it's a little bit more complicated now, but not too much. It's I don't really think kind of, it's going to be really complicated. I have no idea what they're going to do next year with the iPhone. Well, shelf that. That's because I think yeah. that that's a deep conversation. That is a deep, could, yeah. Um, uh, and I think we should return to it. But I don't think it's hard to go in and buy a MacBook today. I think, you know. No. You know, it's what would you rather do? Would you rather, you know, pay? F- I think it'll get more complex, maybe more complex if the rumored Retina MacBook Airs are coming as, you know, like in the early months of next year, which I think is probably true. I think if the iMac has gone Retina, I think the, the MacBook Air is probably next. And I think yeah. suddenly, suddenly that becomes a little tougher decision to make. But that's a transition. Right. And if anything, it's only going to steer more people towards spending a little less and getting the Retina MacBook Air um, instead of a Retina MacBook 13-inch MacBook Pro, um, you know, which I think would save people money instead of making people pay more. Right. But, but it's still right now today, though. It's a very easy decision. It's like, do you want the really nice machine, and yeah, it's going to be a little thicker and heavier, or do you want the cheaper, lighter one, which is the Air? Yeah. It was pretty easy. I mean, knowing the the getting my wife a machine was actually relatively simple because she's got a monitor. She's got an external monitor, so she didn't need a huge screen. So 10 inch and definitely the air, obviously. And then it was just storage space. And she you know, she's got a fairly big iPhoto library, so she needed a, she couldn't take the 128 gig hard drive. Right. And I was. You know, I think, okay, if you want to get a machine now, it really makes sense to get eight gigs of RAM instead of four. Yeah. And so that was it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> there were no other, no other really, no really uh, uh, any other considerations whatsoever. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, and I'm sure that on the flip side, it's like what drive like this conversation of what, how great it is that we don't have too many choices to make is exactly what drives <laughs> PC. Sure. PC fans nuts. And they think that, you and know. And Android that, fans. Right. Well, because I think they're the same people, you know, yeah. I, I think that, you know, the people who most like the fact that they can configure, can build, can still build their own PCs for the desktop, um, you know, are the sort of people who think it's wonderful that there are so many Android phones to choose from. Yeah. My thing was that I'm seriously thinking about like in the next couple of weeks, probably like maybe like maybe like for the month of December to try you know i haven't done it in like two years is give android a shot and try living for two weeks with an android phone um and so i asked around i was waiting for the nexus 6 to ship which i almost certainly knew i wasn't going to want because it's so huge um uh but it came out and the reviews came out yesterday and a lot of them are really really bad like josh topolsky's you know had pictures from it and he thinks the 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 camera is actually worse than last year's nexus 5 and both of them are way worse than the the iphone camera low light it's a really shitty camera and that to me is a deal breaker right there right um but it's you know so my just basic question to twitter and to my twitter followers is okay let's say i want to give android lollipop you know the new 5.0 version of android which i do think from the outside not having used it looks like the first one first version of android ever that's pretty well designed right um 
So that's why I want to try it. And I have no interest in trying Android 4 point anything on any phone because I know that I don't like it. I, I know I've used it. I've spent enough time with Android 4 devices that I know I don't like the design. So it has to be 5.0. Which which phone should I get? And it's there's no clear, like, this is the best one to get. Yeah, yeah. More or less, it comes down to the two most popular answers were the Nexus 5, which is the year-old Nexus phone, and the Moto X. The Moto X is more expensive, though. It'd be, it would cost me like 500 bucks. No, H- T- no HTC? No, because it HTC's M8, which did get some votes, and most of the people who um, who voted for it, you know, said it's easily the best build quality of any Android phone. But all HTC has promised for the M8 is that it'll get Lollipop within the next ninety days, oh. which probably means eighty nine days from now. <laughs> yeah, I I've talked about my Nexus Seven on the show before, and. It's a it's the original one, and so the other day I thought, you know, because Lollipop just came out not that long ago, I thought, oh well, maybe I can see if I can get Lollipop on that device because it wasn't included in the in the beta program originally. I was was the, tried it back in the summer, and it was not one of the devices that you could install the the early release on, and 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 still there is no release for that device and how old is that which was very confusing so that's when did that come out two years ago two and a half years ago i want to say um yeah because it came out the summer before the ipad mini and it's just it's just a little odd to me that lollipop is quote out but it's not they haven't created and apparently they're going to create a build for it but they haven't done it yet no, yeah, they're they're not good at stuff like that. And it's a, and the, you know, and it's from Google. It's a Google, right? <laughs> it's a Google device. They're not. They're. I my oh, broad impression of Google overall. I was I forget I was talking about this on Twitter the other day, but that it's like one of those adages. And I know it's you know it's it's obviously not mathematically true, but you know. You know, the first ninety percent of the effort takes half your time, and the other ten percent takes the other ninety percent of your time. Yeah, you know, it's that last ten percent always is is not really ten percent. It's really more like half of anything, any big project. Um, and Google is really bad at a, at going into that. You know, and to me that like that like the hard part. And for all the gripes people have about, you know. Uh, like iOS, new versions of iOS running poorly on the oldest supported phones, you know, or tab or iPads, at least they do run. And it's a lot more effort to make that happen than I think people give Apple credit for. Um, Yeah. And it's, you know, Google just punts on all that usually. I mean, I'd see, or with Android pretty much every, every year, like they've never really had a release that has good support, even for their Nexus devices that are more than a year old. Yeah. Because it's hard. It's really, really hard. And they just don't even try. But the consensus seems to be that if I want the best, like the state-of-the-art Android experience today, get a Moto X. The the new Moto X, because hmm. they kept the name the same year after year. That's interesting. I wouldn't have yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. And everybody seems to agree with it too. Like the consensus is it's the best 
build quality. It's a good, you know, a, a competitive camera and um, Motorola's extension. It's not just a pure, you know, like the way that the Nexus has the pure Google Android experience, like Android 5.0 with nothing, uh, you know, unadulterated. Uh, that Moto X's version is pretty close to stock and the only thing they really do is they add their own applications as system apps that you can't delete but they don't change the system itself you know like the notification center looks like the pure android notification center you know and stuff like mm -hmm. that you know it's a lot more it's it's really really close to stock android with a few motorola sprinkles as opposed to the htc and and Samsung way of sort of getting in at the system level and right. decorating it. Right. I would love to try a Xiaomi phone. Yeah, I would too. I don't know how you could get your hands on one of those. Yeah, I don't either. And I, from what I've read, I suspect that while it would be fun to use, it's probably crappy enough that you right. wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to blow a couple hundred bucks on it because right. it's, you know. Right. But I'd love to see what the user experience, I mean, what the, what the software is like. Yeah. Because it's substan substantially different from the look of it. Yeah, very, very custom. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, people keep talking about, oh, look out, because Xiaomi's going worldwide now. And I don't know what's going to happen if they come to the United States. With I don't legal, think they with could. The legal, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think they ever will come to any. I don't think they're ever going to come to a country with strong IP laws. Right. I really don't. I think they're going to stick. You know, I think they can, they can grow. They have a lot of room to grow just staying in the Asian countries where they are. Because mm -hmm. the way that they operate and the way that they so shamelessly copy stuff, that I just don't see how they're gonna. I, I just don't see how they could do it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think that that would, <laughs> that would. They wouldn't be there five minutes before they get right. slapped with a suit. Yeah. Well, and let's um. Uh come back well when we come back let's talk about um your thing before about the what apple will do with the iphone next year okay so remember that but i'm going to take a yep. break here and thank our next sponsor our good friends at harry's now harry's makes uh really super high quality men's shaving products at extraordinary prices um and they it's a special month this is november but it's uh in harry's world it's movember uh, have you heard of this Movember? Yep. So it's a little late now to get started, but you know, better late than never. But the idea with Movember is you you you're, uh, you do a full shave, you shave your face, and then for the rest of the month, you just grow out your mustache. And uh, the idea is when you start to look goofy and people say something to you, you mention Movember. And uh, what it is, it's, it's a, you raise money for men's health issues, you know, things like uh getting your getting your colon checked and everything like that um so uh harrys.com is the official razor partner of movember and they will be there for the entire harry month um so whether or not you grow your mo <laughs> with harry's <laughs> you can get an amazing shave and do good by supporting movember's quest to fund research on important men's health issues uh totally worth checking out uh, really good cause. I mean, who, who's opposed to men's health? I'm, I mean, it's a great, great cause. Um, and again, I've said this before, Harry's products are just amazingly, amazingly high quality. Um, really high quality handles, high quality blades. Um, 
I just to me that just says it all is that they don't they're not like 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 white label blades that they put their brands on. They bought their own razor blade factory in Germany, uh, a factory that's been crafting razors, you know, blades for uh, almost a century. They bought it and now they make their own. And by cutting out that middleman, that's that's the main way that they can offer really high quality stuff at a fraction of the price of drugstore brands. And it's literally like, even if you go to like Amazon, who is not known for being undercut on prices and, pre, you know, compare the price of like Harry's blades versus Gillette blades, you know, the equivalent uh, number of blades on the thing. It's about half the price. Really, really great price. Um, their starter shave set starts at just 15 bucks. That includes the razor handle, three blades and your choice of Harry's shave cream, or their new foaming shave gel. Uh, I, I I've only ever used the shave cream. I like that stuff, but uh, I don't know what, what kind of shaver are you. Do you like the foaming? I'm currently. I'm actually. Yeah, when I used to use a straight razor, um, I like the foaming stuff. See, I don't like the foaming stuff because I, okay. I can't see. I can't see what's going on. But if you like the foaming stuff, they've got that now too with their shave gel. So you get to pick which you want. Uh, I just think it feels good on your face. I think it's like it's a anyway, yeah, whatever. Yeah, to each Although, his own. Yeah, my dad always used the the foamy stuff, so I don't know. I like the the regular shave cream that doesn't really foam up. Um, but anyway, you get your pick, and they also just released a new aftershave moisturizer. They sent me some of that. They just sent it. I don't. Know, I didn't even ask for it, but I guess because they sponsor the show, they sent me some. Smells really good. I like it. Uh, really high quality stuff. All of their stuff comes in the most amazing packaging. It, it, I've said this before. It's like the type of packaging that the pack rat in me doesn't even want to throw away. And it's like then I start thinking to myself, well, no, you don't. You now you're going to be on the hoarder show because you're crazy. You're keeping the box <laughs> that your me. razor, right? You, you're keeping the cardboard box that your razor blades came in because you like the fonts. I mean, it's, it, seriously, I have to like, I have to like do like a double take, and then I go to throw it in the trash can, and it's like it, I can't. Uh, all right yeah. throw it out yeah. but it's real that's how good the packaging is uh really great stuff if you haven't checked them out well god for god's sake do it now while november's going on go to uh harrys.com and they'll give you five bucks off if you type in my coupon code my coupon code is uh uh i think it's the talk show but i don't have it in front of me type in the talk show and i'm sure it'll work um and uh Go to harrys.com and uh, use that when you check out. You'll get five bucks off your order, uh, which is, you know, it's only 15 bucks to get started. So there you go. You're one third of the price knocked off to start. Go check them out at harrys.com. Uh, you know, I've never, I, yeah, I've been shaving my head for like a year and a half now. Yeah. I've never shaved it with a blade. Like, a, I've always used an electric, but I should try it with, uh, I bet it's a really nice, clean, uh, clean cut. Uh, yeah, I don't know how, how do you. I don't know how you would. It's do tricky. It. I know some people do it, but I know, know guys. Obviously. I mean, I know bald guys who do it. Right, but you can't see. I don't know. I, it's, yeah, I don't. I, I'm gotta be pretty, careful. I have a hard I'll just, enough. I'll time. get Hank to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough. Time, I have enough. Uh, I have enough trouble just shaving my face with <laughs> my decreasing vision and stuff. I, what I can look at is is hard enough. Uh, so next year's iPhones, I, yeah. I, a lot of people have been talking about this, uh, is what are the, what are they going to do with the four inch size? Is that what you're thinking? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because uh, I've seen a lot of a lot of uh, people have been publishing their whatever like month a month with the iPhone 6 Plus or a month with the iPhone 6. Um, and everybody seems to really like them. I like the device well enough. I've got a 6. And, but um, but I mostly what I mostly like about it is the extra features as opposed to the larger screen. If I could, I would actually go back to the 4-inch. I would too. I, in fact, I did it for two weeks. I went back just to see, you know, what I thought. I actually took my SIM card out and went back to my 5S for two full weeks and really liked it. Um, but ultimately went back to the 6 because I can definitely tell, I can absolutely Pepsi challenge the, the superior photos, especially oh, yeah. indoors. It's possible that outdoors in sunlight, I couldn't Pepsi challenge the photos, but indoors I can definitely do it. There's so much less noise on the, um, and, and brighter, brighter exposures in, in really low light on the six that it's that alone almost makes it seals the deal. Um, I also can tell, and this is something I didn't like when I wrote my review of it that I didn't notice. And it's the sort of thing that it's why I wish that I could always take six weeks to write these reviews like I used to before I got the review units as opposed to doing it in like one week. But like in the first week with it, the two new phones, I, I noticed that the screens were nice, but I didn't notice that they were actually nicer than the 5S. Like, yeah, I didn't either. It, uh and there's that whole that the the big thing that I was obsessed with the first week was the increase in pixels per inch on the six plus that they went to this uh, nineteen you know twenty by ten eighty resolution and it runs at three x retina but on the fly they scale it down to like this weird two point seven x scaling factor and I spent the whole week like you know taking my glasses on taking them off getting it you know, squinting real close at it, it's trying to see if I could see, you know, the scaling and how much nicer. And it really, the six plus really does look nicer to me. Like you get really close to it and text looks better because there's more pixels per inch, even though they're scaling and it's not true three X, it really does look better than two X. And this regular six has the same 326 pixels per inch as the five S I didn't notice this in the first week with the phone because I was obsessed with just the pixels per inch. And the 6 had the same pixels per inch for the 5S, so I didn't really bother looking at it too much. But now, lo these almost, what, two months later, and with me having gone back to the 5S for two weeks uh, and now back to the 6, I can really notice that the 6, you know, the fact that it has the same pixels per inch aside is so much, has a really nice improvement to the screen. And... It, I know that they talked about the fact that they added a polarizing filter or a new polarizing filter so it looks better with um, polarized sunglasses. But I think something to do with that also, it, the, the, the screen is even closer to the glass than before. It's even, you know, right. I know that I raved fair. about it endlessly when they first went retina with the iPhone 4 that it really looked like the, the pixels are closer to the glass. But now it's so much closer that it makes like my iPhone 5 look like the screen is too far behind the glass and it even makes all of my iPads, everything I look at other than the phone look like the pixels are too, too, too far under the glass. And that's really nice. Um, but bottom line is it's all about the feel in my hand. And I like the four inch feel in my hand better. I do. I use my phone so much yeah. of the time that I use my phone. I really only have one hand. Uh, it, right. It's, it's just humongous. It's a humongous issue for me. Yeah. I can, I can't bring myself to, to get into reachability. I, do you use reachability? Never. Much? Yeah. No. 
even I though think. I, even though my complaint is about not being able to reach stuff at the top with my grip, it never right. occurs to me. Uh, uh, so I just instead, can't. I'm doing this thing where I'm gently palming it, right? And I have no, there's no support at the bottom, and I'm reaching across the phone to get to the upper right hand corner. And I'm doing it right now, which is why my mouth is turning away from the microphone. But um, and I just, I know I'm going to drop it at some point because it's yeah. not a, it's not a secure. hold but reachability i mean to me it's nice that it's there but it it doesn't it often doesn't fire for me on the first try and so then i'm you know i'm doing this extra thing that i didn't used to have to do and sometimes it's not working and uh, it just doesn't it's not it's not solving the problem for me definitely it just never occurs to me to use it it's it's part of what i love about ios is even more than Mac OS 10 to me the system makes such a coherent sense the design of the way that you go in and out of apps and navigate within an app it's like i'm in i'm just whenever i'm using my iphone i'm just in a certain mental zone and it using reachability takes me out of that you know because it's not on screen like part of what to me the magic of iOS is that everything is on the screen Anything you can do is something you can see on the screen. And it, it that's a profound decrease in uh, abstraction. Like that's why I think that the like the hardware back button that Android uses, even though they draw it on screen now, you know, on most phones. Um, but the fact that it's outside the rules of the system, it it just never occurs to me to use it when I'm using Android. And I, yeah, I, I find it hard to remember that, that that's what you're supposed to do. You know, that the only thing you ever have to do in iOS that's uh, that's hardware related is hit the home button software wise, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's things like volume. But that volume makes sense that it's hardware because it's it's not the software you're manipulating. It's what the actual you know, it makes sense that it's hardware because it's the device that's emitting the sound. Um and using reachability just takes me outside that zone. It feels like it's it's not on the screen. Right. You know, if 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 somehow I could just swipe my thumb down and the phone would magically know that I'm swiping down to read something, I'd probably use it all the time. But there's of course no way the phone could read your mind and know that you're swiping down for reachability <laughs> as opposed to some other thing, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, if it could though read your mind in theory, you know, no, I, I mean, I know that it's, I, I'm just saying I would use it all the time. I would, I would just drag the screen down and, you know, hit the, hit the back button, but it's a big issue for me. Uh, I also, I really, really don't like the size of it in my jeans and I keep, uh, that I don't more. notice actually. I really don't notice the difference there. I definitely do. I think part of yeah. it too, is that when I wrote my review in September, I was, it was still somewhat shorts weather. I might've spent more time with shorts. I don't know, but it's, uh, I, and I keep, uh, I keep toggling the mute switch as I take it in and out of my jeans. Mm. Uh, I also, I just don't like it. I even like the flat sides of the iPhone five S. I kind of, I, I kind of like that, but I also kind of like the new one too. I mean, I love the feel. Yeah. It's an, I like the smooth feel too. I'll I'll uh, chalk that one up to a a, a wash because if yeah. the if there were in theory a four point zero inch iPhone six that had this shape, I wouldn't be complaining about it. I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't either. 
Uh, yeah. But I do think my thing is that I noticed after switching back to the 5S for two weeks that it the flat sides make for a nicer iPhone as camera. Like oh, when you're yeah. holding it to take a picture, it feels more natural in my hands to have my fingers pinching flat sides right, than round right. sides. Yeah. Um, but I'll call that a wash. It's overall, though, how easy it is to reach everything with holding the phone in one hand and how big it is in my pocket. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's, I mean, like, so, so, uh, ne- our friend Nevin Mergen's game came out last night, um, Space Age, and I downloaded that and, and, you know, it's nice having a larger screen to play a game. But I don't think to me it's not enough. It's not, you know, I have an iPad. It's not nice enough on the phone to make the difference for me. Yeah, no, no question when you're using it. It's, you know, there are certainly reasons to to prefer a bigger screen. I mean, I, I, I watch most most of the in the summer when I'm when baseball season's in and I watch uh, seriously, I watch, you know, I don't know, over 100 Yankee games a year. The ones I don't watch on TV, I usually watch on my iPad, but I wind up just for convenience sake, sometimes watching them on my phone. And obviously, watching something that's the equivalent of TV, like a ball game, the bigger the screen, the better. You know, right. even the six plus is better. Um, you know, but that's to me isn't important enough to optimize which phone I get. Mm-hmm. If there were a 4.0 inch iPhone 6, like a third size, zero hesitation, 100% certainty, that's the one I would have bought. Yeah, me too. Well, I think, I mean, at this at this point, I wanted to try it, try the bigger size and see if I liked it better, but I've come to the conclusion that I don't. All right. It's not even, it, it, it would be, it's an easier decision than almost any other in the Apple product line. And no hesitation. I think the yeah. iPhone 6 is, I don't, and I, I, here's the big, here's the thing that I think gets lost in this, is that people who love uh, big phones, and I know that they truly do. There are people who love the five, the six plus. You know, um, for whatever reason, they seem to, as a group, to lump them all together. They seem to think just unilaterally, big phones are better. And you know, now that now that the iPhone has bigger screens, iPhone users will see what they've been missing out on yep. for years. Everybody will see it and will get to you know, will appreciate it. I don't doubt that they're right, but I I really do think though that there are you know I'm I'm certain now having used it for this bunch and having gone back that you know it's the the scale of form factors that people want in phones definitely goes beneath four point seven inches four you know so my 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 short version is not that the iPhone six is too big, it's that it's too big to be the smallest iPhone. Hmm. You know, not so. that I, not that I'm <laughs> doubting that there are some people who love this size and that it's perfect for them. So, what are they going to do next year? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> I would be surprised I, if they don't update the that that the four inch form factor, though. What I hope they do is is expand the top of the line. You know, which would be next year. I would expect an A nine system on a chip and you know an even better camera i would what i hope they do is expand to three sizes and that they you know whatever they call it you know uh, yeah if it's may i don't know if they're going to stick with this thing where they you know use use the same you know if next year's 4.7 inch is exact same physical size as this and they call it the 6s and they call the other one the 6s plus 
and they fit the same cases and maybe they just update the colors of the metal to show that they're, they're new ones um, and introduce, I don't know, an iPhone 6 Air, call it the iPhone 6 Air and make it the four inch size um, hmm. with, Six like many. I said, what I would hope for is they would have the A9 and the new camera and all that. Yeah, Apple Pay. But, well, I think it'll have Apple Pay no matter what. What yeah. I think is more likely is that they would make it, do it sort of like they did the 5C two years ago. And that the four, this is what I think is more likely, that the four inch size, there will be a new phone. But it'll be like the 5C might be even uh, might even be plastic, right? Uh, and would have the internal specs of these phones, the A A8, these 2014, right. and it would instead have the, of the nine, yeah, and the camera from this phone, and it, and it would be you know a hundred dollar lower starting price than the 6S. Yeah, that sounds more likely to me. I think it's way more likely because I think they have to, they, they can't price it equivalent. They can't make, yeah. I think, you know, well, the, I screen, the screen size alone isn't enough for to warrant a hundred dollar difference. Right. You know, that that's, it would, they'd be eating into their profit margins too much, you know, that, you know, they can't justify, you know, wouldn't cost them a hundred dollars less to do it. So I think it would be more likely that it would be like the six C the iPhone six C and it would be four inches, but it would be a year behind on the specs. To me, the plastic seems to belong at the bottom of the line, though, it, because what happens then? I mean, you can't you can't then take the 5S and move it down to the free model and have a plastic. I mean, maybe I guess you could, but the, the screen size is the same. I mean, that's what they did with the five. Right. You know, they had the 4S when the 5C came out at the bottom, yeah. but that was a different screen size. And it doesn't seem like they could push down. I mean, maybe they could just make a new, I don't know, new five C. So then the bottom two would be both plastic. Yeah, something like that. I don't know, but that's what I worry that they're going to do. And and I worry that um, on the CPU side, I would, I probably would just prefer size alone. And I'll, I'll take the year-old CPU specs and get the smaller one. But I'm very much worried that the camera in next year's iPhone will be so much better again than this year's that yeah. even though I'm so impressed this year with this camera, I think next year's camera is going to be so much better that I'll not that I'll, I'll be stuck getting the 4.7-inch one again for the camera. Even though I would take the a the year old A eight because I don't really play a lot of games and stuff like that, and it's you know I don't know that that getting an improved A nine would mean that much to me, but the improved camera would. Yeah, I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but I and I don't have any firm thing about it. But I heard like a rumor of a rumor from a like a birdie who knows a birdie, like way distant, but that well, number one, it's it's not. Looking at it, every single year, the camera's gotten better on the iPhone. I think, except for the first, except for the three G, the 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 you know the two thousand eight iPhone had the same camera as the original two thousand seven. Like, still didn't shoot video. Still was really looked like a phone camera. Right. But ever since the three GS, every single year the iPhone camera has gotten noticeably better. 
like enough better that it was uh, the camera alone was tempting to be the reason that you upgrade every single year. Uh, at least if you care about photography. Uh, and so there's no reason to think that's going to stop anyway. But the, the specific thing I heard is that there it's like next year's camera might be like the biggest camera jump ever that they've got. Like, oh, a, yeah, really? Yeah. That it's, a, I don't even know. I don't even know what sense this makes, but that I've heard that it's, it's some kind of weird two lens system where like the back camera uses two lenses and, uh, I don't know, somehow that it, it takes it up into SLR quality imagery. Wow. And I don't know that. Well, and in some ways that and that's what I've heard. But it it can't really mean SLR quality because a lot of what makes SLR or and, and in the digital age, the, the four thirds cameras, which aren't SLR. But you know what right. I mean? Big, right. it, what it means is big sensor. And a yeah. lot of what makes a big cameras with big sensors have better imagery is is physics you know there's physics involved and you have to really have to have the lenses right right but that there's something they could do with two lenses i don't know that just makes the photos if not at a technical level slr quality but at a practical level for consumers taking pictures um you know closer to slrs i don't know but that it's a big enough jump that anybody who cares about the photography even if you really want a four inch phone again you're going to get the 4.7 yeah. I feel like the last two cameras have been plenty of camera for me. I'm not as big a camera buff as you are. And for years it did seem like, yeah, okay, okay, I'm I'm basically taking pictures with this because it's the one that's in my pocket and I don't I don't feel like that anymore like it's it's practically speaking caught up to almost everything that I need. Yeah, it's they just they've yeah. gotten so good. Yeah. I, it's I'm you know and I'm a guy who's you know every every couple of years not every year like every couple of years I'll drop eight hundred or a thousand dollars on a new see, camera. I don't, <laughs> I don't do that. And I really do care about some of that stuff. And I really I could just see looking at my um, you know like my Lightroom archive that every year it's more and more uh, or less and less photos shot with anything other than the iPhone. Yeah. It's you know it's always it just gets more and more even like on vacation and I have the camera 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 with me and it's like eh, i don't feel like walking around with that on my neck i'll just use my right. iphone but i do i think i think the camera is what it's going to come down to for me next year unless they do what i really really hope they do is put you know put three phones at the top of the yeah that would be what i would hope to but i don't think they will i, I agree yeah but i still think i would probably like i would probably go back to you know stick with this relatively same internals as this phone in a, in a four inch screen. Yeah. I think it would, I, if the camera isn't vastly improved, if it's, you know, I, I would be very tempted just to get that phone. I noticed too. And here's the other anecdotal thing is like two or three weeks ago, there was a a little, a a small indie Mac conference here in Philly, Coco love. Um, I didn't speak at it, but I, I went to it and, you know, you know, I don't know, 150, you know, Mac nerds, iOS development, <laughs> um, you know, uh, some friends, Marco was here, Dave, Dave Wiskus and Brent were here, but I um, you know, met a lot of new people too. Um, I don't really get out much. So even though it was local, <laughs> there, <laughs> even though the, even the local people were, a lot of them were new to me. Um, and people noticed that was, that was, it, it occurred during that two week stretch where I went back to my five S and a lot of people noticed that I was using a five S and specific, you know, and they asked and, 
every almost every single person who I talked to about it was like nodding their head in agreement that yeah I've you know and they a lot of, they were all people who had the six not the six plus and all were thinking the same thing that I I love so much about this new phone except that it's bigger yeah so there's definitely I and mean, it's not just you and I are not outliers like we may not be the majority like the 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 split across the product line may not be one third, one third, one third if they did this. But I think that it's, I think it's maybe close to at least a quarter of people would prefer the four inch size. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I talked to, I mean, it seems like most of the people I talk to actually are, you know, so I've got a friend who, who has giant oven sized mitt hands. <laughs> and so he got a six plus and he feels like he's home. Because, you, you know, he had a four, which was so he was like waiting, you know, thinking right. they're going to make a new they're going to make one that's bigger. And I'm going to wait for that. And so he got the six plus when it came out. And he's he's just like, it's perfect for him. But you know, like our neighbor up the street was we were talking well, before the phone. These phones came out. And she said, she said, it's going to be bigger. I don't even like I, I've got a four. I don't even want a bigger phone than this. And, you know, my mom is on a three GS. <laughs> and I keep saying <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to get a new phone? You need to get a new phone. It's like, she's not even getting software updates anymore. And, and then it was like, okay, well, if I get one, what are you going to get? What should I get? And you're like, well, I guess you should get the, it's like, I don't want to be, I don't want a huge phone. So I guess you should get the, the five S and, and my wife, same thing. I was like, she's like, I don't want that big a phone. I just don't want it that big. So all the people I know who are in the market right now, are not terribly excited about the larger form factor. Right. I, you know, and I, I think it's, I, I, I think it's a, a complicated product marketing problem, you know, where I, I, I think part of it, clearly there are people, I've, I, I mean, I know this, that there are people who love like your big handed friend who love the six plus. And I know that there are people with tiny hands who love the six plus. You know, there are, mm -hmm. you know, there, and I know, you know, from talking to Ben Thompson, huge, every, every woman in Asia yeah. has a big, like phablet size, six inch phone. And they were all, all of them who wanted an iPhone were all waiting for the six plus. And, and, you know, it's almost like for some of the people, like women with really small hands that they couldn't use the iPhone for one handed either. So the whole one handed thing <laughs> wasn't an issue anyway. So you might as well get a big one. So right. I know that it's not just an issue. It's not just appealing to people with large hands. It's, you know, it's across the board. Some people just use their phone two handed all the time. Yeah. Uh, and if so, why not get the biggest one? Um, uh, uh, but it's not just nerds either. It's not just me. Like Amy, who uses her iPhone very differently from me, she's nowhere near. She's not on it anywhere near as much as I am. Um, but she she doesn't like the six size either. She thinks it's ridiculously big, and she can't even. She really can't even believe that there's a bigger size. <laughs> it, it's pretty astounding when you see it for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that's a lot of phone. It, you it's know what? And it's funny. It's funny because I even had one as a review unit and I used it for a week. But at the, the Coco Love conference, you know, when everybody had an iPhone, everybody had them out all the time. And there were people, of course, not just the people who, you know, who were nodding their head in agreement with me that the six is too big. But there were, of course, other people who had the six plus and you see them with it. And it's like, wow. Yeah. It is a big ass phone. Yeah. I don't know. I'll never get over it. Yeah. I got my I've got my four, my old four sitting here and it just feels really good. <laughs> I do. I so love the four. That's small. Yeah. I just that feels like a phone to me. Yeah. 
It had a good feel. I like yeah. the 5S too. 5S, well, bottom yes. line, is for me, the 5S is at this point peak iPhone. That it's actually, to me, yeah, the overall, I, right. the overall, you know, like best iPhone ever made to me is the 5S. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Because the, the 5 was was the right form factor, but it got dinged up badly. It wasn't as, wasn't as nice a build. Right. Um, hey, let's take a, another break here and thank okay. uh, another longtime friend of the show, our good friends at Backblaze. Um, Backblaze is unlimited, unthrottled backup for your Mac, online backup. You sign up for Backblaze, you get this software to install on your Mac, written by former engineers at Apple. Really, really good software, nice interface, easy to understand, and runs very, very quietly in the background. Doesn't You never know when it's on or not. Uh, and what does it do? It just backs up everything on your Mac to their cloud servers. And if you have external drives, you think, well, it's only going to back up my, my internal drive. No, it backs up all of them. Uh, and you think, well, but I've got a four terabyte drive. It's never going to back up that. What's the limit? No, it's unlimited. Now, it might take a long time for that first backup. Four terabytes, if you've filled up a drive, four terabytes going up through you know the upstream and your internet might take a couple days, might take over a week. Um, but once it's backed up, everything after that is incremental. Uh, and it just runs after that. And then what, what's on everything you have on your computer is in their system. And it's such a remarkable peace of mind uh, to know that you've got a backup that's offsite. So if your house catches on fire and your home office burns up and your backup drive, your time machine drive gets burned up along with your computer or your house gets burgled and somebody comes in and rips you off, steals your stuff, um, your stuff, your data at least, is still somewhere safe. And you can do things like use their iPhone app to access one file, like you're away from your computer and uh, you just want to get this one file you know is on your computer. You can use the Backblaze app, log in, go to where that file is and send it to send an email with that as an attachment from your iPhone, from anywhere. Or if you want to access everything, you want you need a full restore. You're, you didn't have any other backup, your hard drive seized up, uh, you know, the, uh, the disk utility can't fix it. You think, oh, my God, my whole thing is busted. Uh, you can go there, and what you can do at a very low price, just pretty much the cost of the hardware, is you can have everything on your stuff put onto a USB hard drive, and then they'll just mail it to you. So, like, two, three days later, Backblaze sends you a USB hard drive with a full restore of everything from your system, and you've lost nothing. Can't say enough how great this service is. I recommend it to everybody. Um, uh, you know, what do they have? Here's the stats. 100 petabytes of data backed up on their, in their system, and one petabyte is 1,000 terabytes. So that's how much they have overall from all their users. Uh, no add-ons, no gimmicks, no additional charges. It's just 5 bucks per month per computer. So every Mac you have, you spend 5 bucks a month for each one, and you have unlimited backup for it. It's an unbelievable price risk-free no credit card required for the trial just go here go backblaze.com slash daring fireball backblaze.com slash daring fireball and sign up and they'll know you came from the show uh if you haven't done it yet honestly i this is the one sponsor above all others that i i almost wish that they would stop sponsoring because everybody who listens to the show would just sign up for it and but apparently every time they they sponsor the show more and more people sign up but i don't know who you are who haven't signed up yet but do it because I don't want you to lose your data. 
Can't recommend them strongly enough. All right. What else is going on? Let's well, talk about your book. Oh, okay. Want to talk about your book? Yeah, we can talk about Or what? Book. You got well, something yeah, else. No, that's fine. We, we were talking about, uh, I was talking about having to use Word. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I had I've, to use Word I was going to ask about that. <laughs> well, here's, so here's the deal. You've, have you ever written a book before? No. So you've written your first book. We're part of my first book. It's a, a co-authored. All right. So it's, it's myself Tell me about it. and two other uh, fine authors, James Clark and Corey Dustman. And we have written the visual guide to Minecraft for Peach Pit Press, our good friends at Peach Pit Press. And it's a getting started book for, for people who are interested in getting into Minecraft or interested in learning a little bit more about some things like how to build houses, how to use redstone. Redstone is really kind of a, an amazing thing if you haven't gotten into redstone and in Minecraft, um, and there's a there's a good section on how to use redstone. You're laughing because you. Think I'm laughing because like I don't know what it means. I think I think redstone is the stuff that I, Jonas called me over one day and he said, "Here, watch this." And he had a thing and he pulled a lever and then yeah. like a, a fuse left let off and like a fuse burned and then he had like a fireworks show ready to go. And he, you know, was yeah, that was cool. probably there was probably some redstone. Yeah, anything you're using a lever is probably yeah. probably redstone. I mean, and the great, the cool thing about Redstone is it, it kind of teaches, particularly for kids, teaches, it's like, it's almost like programming because they're, they're gates. So you can set up a series of different gates and by using these gates, you're basically using, it's basically the same fundamental theory that is inside every computer. All right. It's logic. Right. right. Like, you know, ands and ors and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And, you know, and one day Kent came to me, he's like, I, I you know, I saw this thing on you know, as usual on YouTube and somebody had made a, an elevator in Minecraft using redstone. And he's like, I want to make this thing, but I can't figure out because, you know, most of these YouTube videos are created by a lot of them are created by like 14 year olds or, you know, right. people who don't necessarily have the best video production skills and, uh, and presentation skills. And this guy was better than, than most, but he also got like halfway through and realized that he had screwed something up and just like tried to correct it on the fly. <laughs> which is like, so it was pretty aggravating for me having to put that thing together, but we got through it and we got it done anyway. So some of that stuff is in the, is in the book. Uh, my section is that I got, I got the beginning section, which is uh, how to, you know, basic game installation and using the interface and then also uh, surviving, surviving your first day which if you're first, you know, for me, that was like the, the hard part getting into the game was like, okay, you just get dropped in this world and there are no instructions really whatsoever. And it's like, so what am I supposed to do? How do I, how do I move around here? What am I, what's my, what's my goal here? And so I talk about that and then do some basic introduction and like, and how to set up a server. I did that section and how to install mods. So. Now your section is also available as its own standalone book. Yeah, all of the section. Yeah, all of them are. So you know, if you if you go, so you can go to Peach Pit Press and and it's peachpit.com and look at look up the visual guide to Minecraft, and you can get any of the the sections separately as as ebooks, or you can get the book. And we're also we're also doing some video stuff that goes along with that. So if you buy the book you'll get access to that once it's available. It's not quite up yet. 
So that's why you badmouth the fourteen-year-olds who make the the YouTube videos. <laughs> you're 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 saying you're saying that the videos that accompany the visual guide to Minecraft are are they don't get halfway through and realize that they hadn't set up the right thing yeah. at the bottom of the elevator. That's right. That's right. In fact, they made me do over some <laughs> some of the videos that I did. <laughs> It's a good sign. Which is an interesting, which was a, and so we talked about like computer performance, like gaming performance on uh, laptops. And so I have my, my regular machine is a 2012 10 inch, 11 inch, whatever it is, air with four megabytes of RAM or megabytes. Yeah. Four megabytes of RAM. It's a special order. <laughs> um, four gigs of RAM. It's a 1991 yeah. commemorative <laughs> MacBook air. What were those little things that you could dock into the? Oh yeah. Anyway, um, and I had done some screen capture stuff before, and thought, okay, that's that won't be a problem. But when you're, but it's one thing to do like screen capture stuff of just like web browsing or moving files around in the Finder. When you're playing a game and you're also running screen capture, you know, like a fairly processor intensive game like Minecraft and also trying to run screen capture software, it's a problem. So the fan was going, things were slowing down and it was it was not working right. So I actually had to get Hank's MacBook Pro uh, has eight gigs of RAM in it. That was the that was the most powerful or the most RAM that we had in the house. So I had to borrow Hank's. Thanks, MacBook Pro, to actually do the video production for this thing. <laughs> how how did you get started on this? Like, how did who who whose idea um, was it to write this book? So, the basic idea though is that a dummy like me, who's been <laughs> blabbering on this show for months now about being not understanding what the hell Minecraft is. This is the, I I've just started the book. I got it last night, <laughs> but it seems to me like at the very least, it's going to answer the basic question of what the hell is going on, right? right. Right. Which yep. is really what I want. So I cannot tell you how happy I am that this book exists. I, I honestly I I'm this is like the the book of the year for me. Because <laughs> I it it is a major part of my life this game because you know, I love my son and it's I'm really you're a parent. Uh, yeah, and I'm really it's like the first time he's really gotten into something um computer like the, he's more into Minecraft than anything else he's ever been into. And yeah. so I want to be a part of that. And I almost feel like I feel like I'm the dad who never played sports and my kid wants to play baseball. And now you're telling me that you got to run around these. Ba I don't even understand. You know, that's how I feel about Minecraft. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like the dad who grew up in England and therefore never, never heard of baseball. You know, and now I live in the United States and my kid wants to play baseball. Right. 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 Yeah. So, so how did I you mean, how did you get involved with this? So, well, he I mean, he so he had a, he's got a buddy who got him into Minecraft, you know, just like. Oh, you got to play Minecraft. You got to play Minecraft. So, um, so he started playing Minecraft like a couple of years ago now, I think. And, you know, and I, same thing. I just like watched it from afar and then thought, oh, you know, I should, I should, you know, he was looking for someone else to play with. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll start playing. But then I had that, you know, that reaction, like that first, like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So I actually watched a YouTube video that said, here's how to, you know, like what you should try and do on your first day. And, and then, yeah, we played it for so he probably played it for at least a few months so i played it for like a year and a half or something like that and last spring i wrote that article for the magazine about right the the uh the basically the moguls of minecraft youtube world um about that guy stampy and diamond minecart and other people who are 
making ridiculous amounts of money doing these videos, these let's play videos of Minecraft on YouTube. Who's the guy who's trying to get to the edge of the universe? I don't know. I don't remember that guy's name. Right. Um, But yeah, there's like, there's just, there's so many people who are making Minecraft and some of these guys make, make very good money doing it. And just from the YouTube, just uh, from the YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. The ads. Right. So, so that guy, Stampy, uh, trying to remember his name off the top of my head. Joseph, Joseph Garrett. Um, he, the, the financial times was trying to figure out how much he made. And they estimated that he grosses between 80,000 and $800,000 a month doing these videos. And Google takes a cut of that. They take like 45%. And then his network that he works with that does promotion for him takes a cut of that. So he's not, he's not netting that, right. but still, but his operation it, as so an operation, like though, netting between 30,000 right. and $300,000 a month. Boy, I can't believe Google takes that much. Yeah, apparently I, I guess I can. Yeah. I mean, there it's something Google. like that. Yeah. I may not, I may not have the exact number, but it's, it's yeah. in that range. I don't so know. I 30, wrote that article. 30% seems like the gentleman's cap. Yeah. You know, like, right. You know what I mean? Like everybody can complain that Apple takes 30%. And I know Amazon has some things where they take 30%. It just seems like 30% is the gentleman's cap for, uh, you know, slicing off a top of every dollar that comes through your corporate thing. Anything Mm -hmm. more than that seems a little outrageous. Yeah. But anyway, keep going. Uh, so, uh, Cliff Colby, who is a guy who works at, um, Peach Pit and I have I've known him for years and we talked years that when I was writing Crazy Apple Rumors we talked about like doing a book but I could never get my act together and I couldn't figure out what the heck to write and so Cliff saw that article and he's like hey I, you know I think we should do a Minecraft book and and uh, get some other people to do some different sections and be relatively easy to put together so let's do it so he so when uh, we talked to WWDC when I was down there in San Francisco, San Francisco, which is where they're, where Peach Pit is based, and basically wrote it over the summer and into the fall, and did the, and then did the video production. How big? How big is your section? Uh, I think my section's about forty plus pages, forty to fifty pages, something like that. So it's not not huge. No, no, it's not huge. All right. But it takes time. Oh, <laughs> so it's an interesting it's an interesting process and all of it, you know, all of it in word, <laughs> which is not my <laughs> I would. That's one of the not questions my strength I anymore. I mean, I used to be OK at it, but, it, you know, they they do these people, the book production companies, they they really. They're all it. in on word. Yeah, and it's not just, well, we need we just all need to agree on a file format that we all can read it's because they're like the the change tracking yeah it's mostly i think the probably the biggest thing is the change tracking and then after that it's formatting stuff i don't because they have all these so they have all their um their templates built into word already so they provided me a template and i typed into the template and then you know i would use they had macros that would do formatting stuff so, yeah, it's, an, it's I mean, that part. <laughs> I'm curious, but I'm curious because I am a writer. I have written a lot. I think I, I, I think I, I, 
I, I did a word count. I exported everything from Daring Fireball before XOXO. I didn't actually include this in my talk, but because my talk at XOXO was about what it's like to have written Daring Fireball, you know, how I built it into a business in, you know, the last 12 years or whatever. Um, but I was curious because Jim Kudal asked me a couple months ago, he was like, what did, how much have you written at Daring Fireball? And I'd never counted before. So I wrote a script. I exported everything from the link list and from my articles. And then I wrote a script that cut out all the block quoted material. So the block quotes didn't count. Right. And it was remarkably even. It was a little bit over 900,000 words for both link list entries and my like column length entries. Um, so it's, you know close to looks like maybe like within the next year i'll cross like the two million words mark which wow. sounds like a lot of words that's a lot of that is a lot of words it really does it's, it's not you know. <laughs> there's no and sounds it, sounds like about it <laughs> right and the basic i i've googled this many times but the you know books obviously vary great with greatly in length but like the typical length of a book is somewhere around like 60 to eighty thousand words you know for like a novel or something like that um so it's, you know, like the equivalent of a lot of books. Yeah. But on the other hand, but I've never written I've never written anything in my life that's more than maybe 4,000 words. And I don't know that I can. Like I when I was younger, I used to think, oh, well, yeah. eventually you'll have to write a book because that's if you want to be a writer, ultimately you think you got to you got to write a book. Um but, but you know, I don't know. I'm getting pretty old and I haven't written a book. <laughs> it's really just I mean, particularly for something like this, it's it's just a it's like you're writing a series of articles. You know, I wrote different, I wrote a number of different sections about right. different topics. And so each one was its own little thing. I also think though, and I don't want to be too much like the princess and the pea, but I don't know that I could bring myself to working with word. <laughs> I really that was, don't. <laughs> that was really, <laughs> and that sounds Apart so from my struggles with my hardware over the video production part, which is really just my own fault. Uh, yeah, the word part is, is, was not my favorite. I, you know, I'm so picky about what I write that I invented a thing that people use. I invented Markdown specifically because I wasn't happy with what happened before that. You know, yeah. I can't imagine writing anything long form, not in Markdown. Yeah. And it seems like writing in Markdown and then going and, you know, moving it into word would be such a huge pain in the ass. It is. I tried that at first and then because I was once like, you okay, do it, it's not working. Right. And it doesn't work because, uh, uh, once you have to make edits, you can't go back. Right. Because that's actually, you know, like to go back 10 years, because I, th I think we're, I think this fall is the 10 year anniversary of Markdown 1.0. But the public beta came out like in February. So we're past 10 years of like public Markdown. Um, but before Markdown was Markdown, it, it was... Um, it was a series of filters I had in BB edit that were like one way. Like I would start by writing Markdown, like a, a very prototypical early version of Markdown that was mostly just like automatically putting paragraph tags in between blank lines and, you know, asterisks for italics and some kind of shorthand for links. Um, so I would write that way and then I would run my, you know, I didn't even have a name for it, but I would run the script and it would turn it into HTML and then I would copy and paste the HTML into movable type. But that grew, it didn't last long because I would think I was done with the article, but then it's like, no, I'm not really, I have thought of something new and I want to go back, but it's too late because now it's already in HTML and I'm stuck writing HTML, 
which is the whole reason I started writing the script in the first place to let me use asterisks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it would be even worse. I think it would be even worse to do it with something that's rich text, like like uh, yeah, Word. Yeah, and I know there. Are pro- I think there are there are some tools out there that try and help you with that process, but uh, you know, I just I gave up and went ahead and I so I had st- I actually started writing in BB Edit with Markdown, and, right, and then. When I got to the point where I went, I went to move the first section into Word. I was like, "Okay, this is not going to work at all." No, but, uh, I mean, but if you wrote your own book, you wouldn't. Yeah, you, know, in you theory, don't have to use right, right. I don't have to, you know, go to someone like Peach Pet and yeah. use their existing process. I mean, I'm sure that there's obviously a way that I could, I could just self publish my own book at this point, yeah. and I can do pretty well. But I mean, I would be surprised if David Sparks actually writes in Word. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, I should. Yeah, I'll yeah be, you know he what? Would be the guy to talk to. It would actually be, almost be uh, hypocritical, since <laughs> like his, <laughs> his, you know, he's written a really, really good Markdown book. Yeah, it would be kind of hypocritical if he hadn't yeah. written it in Markdown. And plus, he, I think he uses iBooks author, right? At least he has recently. Um, so what would be the point? I should find there'd be no, there would be no point going to Word. I wouldn't even be surprised. I did read his book, and it's excellent. I'll, I'll put a link to David Sparks' Markdown book in the show notes. But uh, I'm trying to bulk up the show notes. I, <laughs> I've noticed that a lot of the podcasts I like have these copious show notes that are, you know, chock full of links. That's my value add to the two podcasts that I'm on. And I, I suffer from podcast amnesia. As soon as I'm done recording a podcast, I don't even remember what the yeah. hell we talked about. Well, I have and, to listen to it again. See, that's, that's the only way. The only way I can do it. All right. Um, but anyway, I'll try, I'll put a link to it, but I wouldn't even be surprised. I did read his book, but maybe I, I have vague recollection that maybe he even included something about how he wrote the book, you know, yeah. that his production, yeah. you know? Yeah. And the other person who might know is Serenity Caldwell. She yeah. does a, who she's knows? very, very well versed in ebook I, uh, I, publication. Yeah. I think she knows more about ebook ins yeah. and outs than, uh, anybody. I, well, if there's anybody who knows more than Serenity, I'd like to meet them. Yeah, I remember her her singleton talk from two years ago about the the nitty gritty details of trying to write, trying to create an ebook just for like just for like uh, uh, EPUB and Kindle's Moby, and it was like, oh my god, what a nightmare! Yeah, like if you thought it was bad back in the days when you had this <laughs> special case Internet Explorer and Netscape, it's like imagine if one uses HTML and one doesn't even use HTML. <laughs> really bad uh, so anyway anyway now you use word <laughs> right well my well my uh i've i've used word <laughs> my my license has now lapsed since i'm since i'm done writing i don't I even know what, i don't do even some know what, edits later i'll get the license again but i don't even know what word looks like these days is it is it the case do, does everybody peach pit use max does it matter is it is it is like word at a state um, word they, for i don't mac think and, they all use max um i don't uh, we worked. So the two people that I worked with at Peach Pit were Cliff, who um, was really basically putting the deal together. Um, you know, bringing the people together, and then we had sort of a project manager who I think uh, is actually not a Peach Pit you know, employee, um, someone that they contract with. So, and I'm pretty sure she did not use a Mac, but I think Cliff definitely uses a Mac. Hmm. Um, so. I don't know. I think it's, I think they're probably, I bet it's a mixed environment. I think, I would think that most of the, I don't know. I don't know, actually. Um, 
it seems like a lot of this stuff must end up going to Adobe at some point, right? Uh, I would guess, yeah. I would guess that the book is act- probably actually laid out with InDesign. Yeah. Or at least the, the print book. Right. I don't know. It just seems it's uh, I don't know, but the other, you know the other thing I'll mention while we're promoting uh, you know the book. If you go to Peach Pit to buy your book, they have a really sweet deal where you can get the print version, yeah, and a package of eBooks, um, EPUB, which works in iBooks, Mobi, which will work on any of your Kindles, you know, either your app or your uh, your actual Kindle device, and a PDF, yeah. Uh, and they're they're not like DRM'd or anything like that. They just put a watermark on it that you know is registered to your name, so that you know if you share it, you would be you wouldn't be tempted be to share it publicly. Publicly, publicly shamed, right? And well, probably taken to prison. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but which is to me the the best way to do eBooks, you know. And I know there's other companies like O'Reilly that do that, and I know that our friends at uh, uh, Take Control, the Tidbits folks, you know, that they they send their you know their books right. are all cross-platform and and no drm and stuff yeah. like that but that's the best deal in my opinion 21.59 21 dollars 59 cents and you get it all yeah which is a really good deal yeah and just to be clear while we wrap it up that when you go if you go to like the ibook store and search for molt minecraft two books show up <laughs> no i swear to you, i'm not i'm trying to help you out here i'm trying to promote you just <laughs> You search for Molt's Minecraft, two books show up, and one's more expensive than the other. That's because the one that's more expensive is the one with all three of your contributions. And don't buy both because your book is just the introduction section of the yes. So book. my 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 section is the first section of the whole book, right? Right. Uh, let's take a break. I have okay. one more sponsor to thank, yeah. um, and then we'll wrap up the show. But uh, I want to say thanks to our, our next sponsor, and it's our good friends at Igloo. Igloo is an internet you'll actually like. That's their slogan. I say it's the internet you'll actually like because I've never heard of another one. Um, It's built with easy-to-use apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, file sharing, task management, and more. It's everything you need for a team to work together better in one very configurable cloud platform. Um, They have a great mobile story. Their mobile responsive design works like a champ on Virtually any device, any device with a WebKit browser like Android, iOS, um, even the new Blackberries, um, Windows Phone. They don't use have WebKit, but you know the the mobile Internet Explorer is really pretty good on Windows Phone. Um, responsive design on all those devices uh, works on your new plus sized iPhone right from the start um, because that's to me one of the little ironies of of the whole bigger iPhone screen thing is that well-designed responsive mobile apps supported the new sizes automatically and then didn't have to be redesigned like like native apps did um you can review documents post project updates change administrative settings um you can even complain about the u2 album on your itunes library (laughs) to your team all from your phone from your phone you don't have to be at a, a pc and using a full screen browser all of that stuff works from your phone um Here's the other thing they want me to talk about. And again, I mentioned this the last time they sponsored the show. I don't, I don't really know much about the enterprise. I've never worked in the enterprise, but this is a big deal. This Gartner Magic Quadrant report. Um, just earlier this month, uh, Gartner released their 2014 edition of this, and it's um, their Magic Quadrant for social software in the workplace. And this is a big deal for the corporate environments. Um, 
for the sixth consecutive year, Igloo was listed uh, alongside, right alongside tech giants like Microsoft, IBM, Google, VMware, Salesforce, and SAP. All these big companies, you know, these big, huge conglomerate type companies like Salesforce and SAP, right alongside them is our little friends at Igloo. Um, because their, their product stands right up with those guys. It really does. Um, so the Gartner report values things like the size of the vendor. Uh, Gartner calls that viability. Um, and Igloo is praised by Gartner for their responsiveness and customer experience. Here's an excerpt right from Gartner's profile. Uh, they said, feedback from Igloo's reference customers was consistently positive. They praised the product's quick deployment, configuration, and customization flexibility with self-service options for non-technical users, control over branding and information organization, and ease of use. They also praised the responsiveness of Igloo as an organization. So more or less, bottom line, that's, that's Gartner verifying and vouching for exactly what uh, – what I've been telling you about Igloo all along, ever since Igloo became a Daring Fireball sponsor, it's easy to use. It's easy to understand. It's easy for non-technical people to set up, like the person in charge of the Igloo uh, intranet for your team doesn't have to be a web programmer, doesn't have to be a system administrator. It's just someone who can figure out a really easy-to-use visual interface for doing this. Uh, really, really great product. I, they're They're growing like gangbusters because... It is so much easier, and it really is. Uh, it's the sort of internet that you'll actually use. You know, all their competitors, the stuff like from Microsoft SharePoint and all that crap. People, if your team uses that, it, like there's evidence that shows that what people on your team really do is they don't use it and they just pass everything around by email. Igloo is an internet that your team will actually use. Um, and best of all, this to me is still amazing. It's free to use in perpetuity with up to ten people. So if you have a ten person or fewer team. Igloo is a free product. You just use it for free. And then after that, you can pay at a very, very competitive price per user after that. Um, so if you're a small team, you can use it for free in perpetuity. And if you're a bigger team, you can start using it, try using it, see if everything I've said is true for free, uh, and then add people after that. So where do you go to find out more? Easy. Go to www.igloosoftware.com slash the talk show, all one word igloosoftware.com slash the talk show. Uh, my thanks to Igloo. Yeah, as someone who has used corporate intranets, <laughs> Igloo is, is just slightly, I mean, I and I have used Igloo as well, just as a as a user on my own, not within the corporate environment. But It's um, such a dirty word that it's really like their whole marketing is just based on, we know you hear internet and think big pile of crap. We're, <laughs> we're not that. <laughs> That's like rewriting their marketing. Yeah, that, yeah. We know it, that when you hear that word, you think, oh, God, yeah. here it comes. Well, it's it's just so it's so awful that so much corporate software is so bad. And this is an instance where it's corporate software, you know, software that you can use in an enterprise instance that is really good and a pleasure to use. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, writing, long form writing. And using Markdown, you know where where it's really taking off, and I'm fascinated by it, is uh, with screenplay authors, people who write movies. Oh, and there's there's two apps called uh, one's called Slugline. Uh, the uh, Stu Mashwich is one of the people behind that, and then there's Highland, which is uh, from John August's app company. Uh, Highland, I think, started more as like a viewer. Uh, 
That's uh, John August's company is quote unquote apps. Uh, they don't use Markdown Markdown. They use they they John and Stu and a couple other people collaborated uh, with like a tiny like like a one percent sprinkling of a little bit from me a couple years ago. Um, but they started with Markdown and they instead made like a Markdown like syntax they call Fountain and it uses like the dot fountain file extension um, optimized specifically for the rules of screenplays. Um, like, you know what a screenplay looks like. like yeah, there's, yeah. It, it, it's kind and of I, cool... and years ago I used and I tinkered around with whatever that that heavy duty final like, cut, the, not, final, not final cut, final draft, final draft. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and I've also used Scrivener, which has some screenplay stuff in, you know you can do you can do that in scrivener as well final draft is the microsoft word of screenplay writing it's right. the 800 pound gorilla on the market it is tons of features and the features help drive it and uh you know the file format is sort of a standard uh and people hate it or at least people <laughs> like like for the re you know there's some people who love microsoft word i'm not saying again it's uh, it's same thing with the phone sizes i'm not saying that everybody hates Microsoft Word. Some people love it, I'm sure. You know, there's people who just really get into it. I'm sure there's people who love Final Draft. But for the type of people who don't like Word and who would prefer to write a blog post in a simple text editor with Markdown, right. if you're like that, you don't like writing your screenplay with Final Cut or Final Draft. I keep saying Final Cut, Final Draft. And so instead, um, there's two of these apps and they're great. And, I, you know, they're friends, you know, it's almost like a friendly competition because they collaborated on the file format, this dot fountain uh, file format between them. But it's very, very markdown like just with some assumptions based on uh, the rules of uh, uh, screenplays. So like the way that in a screenplay, a character name for dialogue is always all caps. So if you write uh, in all caps, MOLTS return, that it automatically knows that that's uh, a character name. And that the next line is dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, if you want to put a word in italics, you wrap in an asterisk, uh, you know, just like Markdown. Uh, but it lets you use, if you want to, you could just use something like BB Edit and just write in a format that is very, very readable in its native format. And then you process it and out comes a PDF that looks like a screenplay. Everything's in Courier. Um, all the margins are taken care of and stuff like that. And but you could use their apps and you know the Slugline and Fountain and it format does you know as you're typing it looks a little bit more screenplay y uh, right off the bat instead of you know pure text. But the file format you're saving underneath is just plain text, and then you know you have that peace of mind. Like going back to our discussion about like the iWorks apps, like 20 years from now your screenplay is still just in a you know plain text file. You don't have to worry that Slugline <laughs> is still an app. You laugh, but it's yeah. You know, no, I know, I know. I'm laughing. I'm still laughing about the the um, iWorks thing, right? Uh, and the other thing, I think the reason that these apps have have taken off is even though Final Draft is still sort of a standard, like it, it, the basic gist though is like when you're if you're a, a working you know screenplay uh, screenwriter, the the canonical format that gets passed around as you submit your work and studios read it or you know even if you're already been hired and you have to pass a draft is a PDF file. So it doesn't matter what you use to write it, you generate a PDF and that's what everybody reads. And these apps create PDFs that look like perfect screenplays. There's no, you know, there is no system in place like with Word, with change tracking and stuff like that, that you are obligated to use final draft in that way. I mean, maybe some studios have something like that, 
But for the most part, it seems like a lot of yeah. you know working screenwriters can just use these apps and miss out on nothing. And it, it pleases me to no end that that something I did, you know, with, and with no almost like zero point zero 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 one percent input from me, that these guys went out and made something inspired by it that is, you know, really solves a problem for screenwriters that Markdown solved for me as a somebody writing for a blog. Right. I'll put that do you uh, well. do you have any? Uh, well, probably you probably might not want to drop any names, but <laughs> I mean, you know, there's got to be some some famous people who are are using these apps. Well, John August, right? I mean, yeah, he okay. made the app. I, yeah, mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know of anybody bigger than that, but you know, John August writes you know blockbuster movies. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know anybody uh, you know of any other. It'd be pretty cool to know though if you know which summer you know blockbuster movies were written right. with these. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. Uh, let me think about what else has been in the news. Uh, you know what? It's old news at this point, but Merlin and I didn't even mention it last week. Was uh, Tim Cook coming out as gay? Yeah, that was. I guess it's about two weeks ago now. But uh, I thought that was so amazingly well done. It's uh, almost unbelievably how well out how how um, how that played out. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's and it's. I think I said on my website that. It's nice for people who might be having trouble. You know, I mean, a guy like Tim Cook is probably not really <laughs> having trouble as a gay, you know, as much trouble as some other people are having as a gay gay people. He probably did growing up, though. Yeah, because... Growing up in the South. Well, I, I even... Let's leave the South out of it, but he's a little yeah. bit older than me. He's, I guess he's probably about your age, right? Isn't he around 50? I don't know how old he is. Yeah, something, he seems like that. Maybe a little bit, maybe slightly older. All right. If only there was some way that we could look up how old <laughs> We could probably ask Siri. <laughs> I right. wonder if she knows. <laughs> how old is Tim Cook? Let's see. Okay, I found this on the web for how old is Tim Oh, Cook. no immediate answer. 54. Mm. 54 years old. Yeah. Um you know, I grew up in suburban Philadelphia, you know, which is, you know, a little, I think, relatively speaking, a little bit, not certainly not socially super liberal, but, you know, it's a little bit more liberal than the South. And, you know, when I grew up, it being gay was something that it just wasn't talked about, really just wasn't. I don't know. When I was a kid, it just, I didn't really think it was, I, I sort of vaguely knew what it meant, but it didn't seem like it was anybody, you know, yeah. it seemed like something that... Like maybe one in 10,000 people were gay. I don't know. It just seemed very, very, it just seemed like something that must have been obscure because nobody talked about it. Yeah. And I'm sure the adults knew that it was more common, but it was something that it was basically not talked about. And, and I think people, you know, it's like, I think in that era, people didn't talk about it with their kids because they didn't want to give the kid the, the idea. <laughs> I was guess the, was the thought process. I think I don't you know. know. Like, it don't was, say it in front of the kid because then the kid will become curious about what being gay is, and the kid might become gay. You know, and Which combine it exactly with it works. you know, combine it with uh, the fact that all like Christian religions are generally opposed to it. You know, like I grew up in a Catholic family, and it you know the Catholic Church considers it a sin. Uh, you know, they consider all sorts of. I mean, skipping church is a sin too, but. You know, yeah. sins are obviously bad things. And, you know, that was under that rubric. Um, 
and you know people nobody was gay on tv and i know t i mean tv is you know is is not a reflection of america or, or of culture as a whole but it it informs it right it's like what what aspects of culture make it onto tv somehow are like this is the parts of society this is the parts of our culture that are okay and nobody was gay on tv which meant it was not okay you know, it was weird. It was a bad time. I, mean, it, it, I think about this with my son. Who was the Who was the, the Center Square guy on? Uh, oh, Paul Lind. Paul right, Lind. <laughs> Paul Lind on Hollywood Squares. In hindsight, clearly, I, I know. How did totally I know? gay. He was as gay as anybody who's ever been gay, and I had no idea. I honestly, as a kid, this. I mean, and I'm not that old, but I honestly thought that he was just flamboyant. Yeah. I sure. did not. I did not realize. I had no idea. Just I, I. I didn't know. Whereas, like, and I think it's amazing in one generation that like my son is growing up in a world where you know being gay is you know just like yeah. having different colored skin. It's just some people right. are that way, you know. Right. And yeah. you know, we in Philadelphia, we you know people are gay all the time, and <laughs> you know they are. And friends at his school have you know some of his friends have two moms, and you know it's. It's not even a, he honestly doesn't even think about it. Yeah, I, I Hank's, don't. Hank's best Hank's best friend from you know since growing up. I mean, he met this kid when he was one or two, maybe maybe it was two, but um, very early on. And he's got two moms, and we were fortunate enough to go to their wedding, um, which was about a year ago. So yeah, I mean, it's we, just we, it's awesome. I cannot. Yeah. I'm so happy that the world has changed in this way, but it's you know it's not like that everywhere. And yeah. it certainly wasn't like that for Tim Cook growing up. No. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's still not like that for some people. And so I think no. that's why these, you know, somebody who's successful like him being able to tell his story is very important. Uh, Jonas is middle school. He's in fifth grade now. Now he's in middle school. They have a club called uh, glow. I think this is so awesome. it stands for gay, lesbian or whatever. <laughs> I love that. I think that is so awesome because to me that it, it, it sounds a little goofy. It sounds a little fun, but it really sort of expresses the, the, to me, the, the, the modern way of thinking, which is, Hey, whatever floats your boat, you right. know, and everybody, uh, you know, is different and some people are very different and it's all okay. I he's love in middle, He's in middle school now. Well, fifth grade is called middle school. I don't oh, know. Okay. I guess. But I thought that's such a cool name. And it's just, to me, it epitomizes the difference between, you know, his world and my world right. uh, 30 years ago when I was in fifth grade. Because there was no way they were going to have a gay oh lesbian or whatever club in my school. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, 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 Syracuse had talked about this on ATP, but with the, 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 we've reached a point in our culture where, where nobody, everybody seems to... Uh, agree that you can't be against gay right it's it's like culturally agreed upon that it's just you know discriminatory it makes you a bad person to be against gays but you can still be things like against gay marriage like that's still like a culturally acceptable stance to take De um, yeah decreasingly so though decreasingly so definitely uh and it's you know it's catching up to where racism was. Yeah. I mean, even people, even people who are opposed to gay marriage now have a hard time, not at least saying that they approve of, uh, civil unions. And, right. and, and once you do that, you're kind of like, okay, what's the, 
Right. What's right. the difference? It, right. What you're drawing is difference between re religious aspects of marriage and civil aspects of it. Where, but nobody is endorsing a point that religions have to accept it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just that legally it has to be called the same thing. Right. Um, and like, like the the response. So nobody. Re I'm sure somewhere on you know obviously on the the dark side of Twitter there where people have anonymous accounts at the you know. All sorts. Oh of, yeah, the ugliest thoughts in, that yeah. humans can have are are espoused every second. <laughs> I saw, well, I saw something that I, I couldn't figure out if it was. I I think it must have been tongue in cheek because uh, the guy the guy was saying, you know, Tim Cook is gay, so you should switch to Android. And if you want, I will come to your house and pick up your Apple products. <laughs> 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 and it was written, and it wasn't written as a joke it seemed you know i think you know like this is it was sort of like there was a lot there was at least a decent amount of text where this is an abomination of nature sort of thing but 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 reading like the bottom line was the guy was offering to drive to your house and make a pure apple products <laughs> uh i like the culturally acceptable way to sort of you know n not just cheer and clap your hands at at cook's essay what is to sort of take a uh, and i saw a, some of this a fair amount of it is is sort of who cares this isn't you know you know this is why 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 make this public this is you're making you're drawing more attention to your to to the issue than you know it was totally cool before you actually you know tim cook actually wrote this story mm -hmm. why why rub this in our faces I mean, they wouldn't say it that way, but that's sort of how it, it comes across. Right, right. Why are you putting this in my face? Why are you making me think about <laughs> things that I don't want to think about? Uh, and it's again, I'm just riffing on Syracuse here, but it's it's true. Like as a single person, you know, one man, however powerful he is, that it doesn't make that big a difference that he's now publicly out as gay and proud of it than before when he just never spoke about it in public. It doesn't make that big a difference, but it. Well, Nothing. I don't think it doesn't make a difference to me particularly. No, but, but like it, I said, I mean, I think there's a there's a there are a bunch of people. I mean, there you know, right. it makes a difference if you're gay. I think, it, but we don't live, you know, th that we're not all isolated from each other. Everything is related and in context. Yeah, and you know, it, and it does matter where we were ten years ago and fifteen years ago. Right? It wasn't that long ago where it was controversial that Will and Grace had uh, two gay characters as you know the. Yeah the leads of a, of a primetime network sitcom, right? Whereas now that, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but it, it, it wouldn't be an issue now at all. Right. It's, yeah. but it's, we're coming very fast, but we're not there yet. Right. And it really does make a difference that there is a, uh, that one of the most powerful leaders in our country is out and proud of being gay. Right. I mean, right. how many, right. how many kids are there right now? Just teenagers, today in this country let alone other countries that are far behind us on this issue socially who uh are gay and are worried or even scared about telling their parents and coming out to their friends you know it's yeah. you know heartbreaking and it's still an issue and to have somebody like tim cook saying i i'm proud of it and consider it a gift from god is uh it's historic i really do think it's historic yeah I can't think because I can't think of any other executive 
we still, I mean, obviously, I follow Apple a lot closely than any other company, so I'm sure that maybe there's somebody out there who's who's upset that I don't didn't pay attention. But <laughs> there was a guy I don't remember his name. There was a guy who was like a charge of a bank, a CEO of a bank, but he okay. didn't come out until after he'd resigned or yeah. stepped down or retired or something like that, and said that yeah. you know it's, that it was really a, it was it, it you know as hard I mean, as it, it was. And the other be, place that's happening now is is professional sports. Right. So right. It's uh, might it's 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 a few things that have traditionally uh, two places that have traditionally been fairly conservative that are now being forced to open up about what's really reality. <laughs> yeah, I also thought the other thing that was remarkable, not just that he did announce it, but I thought it was such a well-written piece. I reread mm-hmm. it; it's so short, very succinct, and I. F- firmly believe i'm sure that there you know he didn't write it without any help whatsoever or editing or whatever you know and and from within uh, but i do think that it was his words you know in the same way uh, to me it was like like the the steve jobs thoughts on music and steve jobs what was the other one thoughts on flash where you could tell that that it was jobs writing it yeah right that there was it wasn't just his name at the bottom of the letter like 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 what we know of Steve Jobs and his obsessions and the way he thinks really came out in those two, um, I don't know what you would call them, essays. Essays, yeah. Uh, and I can't help but think that this this piece is so very Tim Cook in in the way that it's written. There's a certain meticulousness to it and a tightness of thought and anywhere where you might be tempted to sort of roll your eyes at at the sort of idealism of it, I think it's genuine. I, I I don't think there's any reason to. I think it's genuinely how he feels that he he right. truly feels like a social obligation to uh, our society as a whole to to make things better in in this regard. Yeah. Do you think that there's a, there's a reason now as opposed to earlier? I I. Do. I don't know. I, it's it's. Like I mean, to a that, certain degree, it seems like the Apple is at a better, in a better position currently in terms of public opinion because the stock price is doing better than it was, like say a year ago. I do. I think that uh, you know, and who knows? Maybe he really only came to the decision. Maybe it was something he was thinking about, maybe doing for a year or two years, and and finally thought, and maybe it just popped into his head. Maybe you know, something in September made him think. You know what? Yeah. I I should I should come out because this this, who knows how how long it was planned? I'm uh, I don't know, but in hindsight, it sure feels perfectly timed. Yes, right. Like in some way, you know, and, and it if he had been out for fifteen years, like and had been you know ha- had like a, a a long time partner, you know, since before there was even legal gay marriage in California, who accompanied him to events, uh, and therefore, you know, had been out while he was COO, not CEO. Um, It certainly would have been his right, and nobody would, right-minded would complain about it, but it wouldn't have been as big a deal, I don't think. You know, somehow it feels right. And the fact that it's, how long is it since Steve Jobs is dead? Three years, right? Three years, yeah, yeah, 2011, Somehow it feels like the right amount of time where the tumultuousness of of him taking over yeah. is 
past. It seems like this year and, and it's like you the know, transition period is over. Right. Like, um, even though Tim Cook spent a lot of time if, almost effectively being CEO while Jobs was sick. Right. There were still, you know, Jobs was still there. He still had input into how the products were designed and made. And you've well, gotten I- to the point now where no one can reasonably say, Oh, that, you know, yeah, sure, that's a good device, but it was, you know, but Jobs had his fingers in that. So Tim Cook can't claim it as as it is own. Right. I've, I've long thought that it, even before Jobs was sick or what, you know, maybe he technically was sick because he, you know, had the cancer, you know, the whole period from when the cancer was first diagnosed until he died, I guess he was technically sick the whole time. But even when he was feeling well and they thought they had everything in remission, I still think that the, the delegation of duties, like what Tim Cook did at Apple versus what Steve Jobs did, that Tim Cook was, if you just described his duties to someone who didn't know their titles, you'd say, well, he's the CEO, yeah, you know, and that Jobs is something else, maybe the president or something like that, you know. It used mm-hmm. to be a more com- you know when we were kids a lot of companies had like a CEO and a president you know yeah and I think the CEO is more about uh, making company wide decisions and stuff like that or, you know st- stuff about the company and the bureaucracy of the company whereas Jobs clearly even when he was you know healthy was more solely focused on the products and product development right right. Um, but even so, I still th- the timing just seems so perfect because, like you said, I think the transition period ended this year. Like the stock stabilized, mm-hmm. they've they've they haven't released it, but they've at least unveiled a, a holy a, a, the watch, which is wholly formed post Steve, uh, you know, and it's you know it remains to be seen how it's going to you know it isn't out yet, but it certainly seems as though there's no uh, you know they're they're not unable to create a new product that gets people talking. That's over. The stock is back yeah. up. Uh, and it just seems like people have finally shut the hell up about the, <laughs> the oh, it wouldn't happen if Steve were still around. I mean, not entirely, but it's <laughs> like we've passed it. I don't know. Remember a year ago, like in 2013, I, there was, I, I could look at all, all in my claim chowder files, but there were a lot of people literally calling for Apple's board to fire Tim Cook. You know, fire Tim Cook. He's terrible, you know, when the stock oh, yeah. was down. And, yeah. you know, we're past yeah. that. It just somehow feels yeah. right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, the updated edition of, of Haunted Empire. <laughs> <laughs> Has any book had a shorter <laughs> shelf life? When I wrote about it, I did. I wrote. I was like, I, I really, and I almost feel like they knew it because it really does. It part of what was I thought was bad about the book is it felt rushed. It felt like the editing. It felt like it could have been tighter, and I can't help but think that they wanted to rush it out back in February because it, because they thought it was going to turn around. Right. <laughs> they they just you know I think the writing was on the wall that the thesis of the book was already wrong. <laughs> yeah, gotta get it out quick. <laughs> uh, last thing, the only thing I can think of, I had this in my notes is is, is uh, this. Uh, Do you see this thing yesterday with the Twitter uh, mission statement? Or strategy yeah. statement. Yes. Well, and I think about it. it. You, you read it. I I can't if you give me one minute. But I think yeah. about it, and as I compare it to the Tim Cook essay on on you know coming out as gay and proud, and how good the writing is, and <laughs> I say this is I maybe I value good writing more than most people because I'm a writer and I care about it. But I can't help but think I have this basic theory in general, whether it's something personal like Tim Cook's thing, 
or whether it's something purely business-like, like a strategy statement, that good writing is the result of good thinking. And bad writing is usually the result of sloppy thinking, incomplete thinking, you know, that it, and, and here's the Twitter's strategy statement that they released Just, yesterday. Yeah. Reach the largest daily audience in the world by connecting everyone to their world via our information sharing and distribution platform products and be one of the top revenue generating <laughs> internet companies in the, in the world. And I can't believe more people, I didn't jump on it right away, but I couldn't believe that I was the first person I saw to point out that that was not even close to fitting in the length of a tweet. It's 220 characters. <laughs> right? Shouldn't your strategy statement fit in a tweet? And especially if you're Twitter, it's so bad. I had to put it in tweet longer. <laughs> tweet longer, whatever that thing's called. It's so bad. It's and really it, bad. I mean, it's, I, yeah. I really find it worrisome. Uh, I find it very worrisome as a platform that I really care about and, and in some level love, but that seems to be floundering at an executive level. You know, there's just had some more executive shakeups like where they're, um, that they've had like three heads of product in the last like two years. Uh, and the last one who they just demoted was only there six months. It's, it's, I don't know, very yeah. worrisome. And this strategy statement doesn't make me feel any better about it. <laughs> it's like I wrote the other day about the net neutrality where, uh, it, like to me, President Obama's statement on it was very clearly written. And I, there might be room to disagree. There might be a reasonable argument against it. But I thought that his arguments in favor of it were very clearly expressed. One, two, three, four. Here's the reasons that we should make sure we keep it, keep this sort of not favoring one company's packets over another company's packets on the internet. Um, keep it the way it is, which has been that all packets are treated equally. Uh, and the arguments on the other side from the cable companies and the phone providers are so obtuse. And it's like you can read them and they're, their words, <laughs> and I know what the words mean, but damned if I know what the, the damned if I know what the uh, uh, what the meaning is. Yeah. Other than like, remember the old Saturday Night Live skit with Frankenstein and uh, uh, the caveman and Frankenstein and uh, forget the other one. Yeah. Uh, were they saying Christmas carols? Yeah. It, it was like Kevin Nealon was a caveman and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, who was Frankenstein? What's I, can't his name? I can't remember. And he, all Frankenstein ever said was like, fire bad. Fire bad. <laughs> uh, I can't help but think that the argument and the fa against this net neutrality is more or less a knee jerk Frankensteinian regulation bad. Regulation bad. It's basically it. Right? And I'm not one in favor of red tape and bureaucracy. It's not, you know, I, don't, I really think you have to see government regulation as, as a continuum, you know, a yeah. grayscale from light gray to dark gray, not zero, not, not binary, you know, on or off. Uh, and these companies are regulated already. You know, it's not like Comcast doesn't face some regulations. It's who are the regulations going to favor, consumers and, and small company startups or right. – or multi-billion dollar <laughs> conglomerates. <laughs>
Like, let's stack the deck in favor of Verizon, who may, who's making $8 billion a quarter, because they, they need really the help. need it. They need the help. Yeah, and I can't, I should, the whole cynicism behind that, I, I can't even understand, because, so there was that, that comment, that tweet by um, Ted Cruz. Yes. Uh, senator, right, from right. from Texas. Texas. Um, Great state of Texas. Yeah. And he said it's I, the, I res- the Obamacare yeah. for the internet. Yeah. Right, right, right. And let's not have the internet operate at the speed of government. Right. And I tweeted something back, you know, some, I, I basically, I insulted him. <laughs> I insulted his intelligence is what I did. And, and, you know, and Josh Centers, who's the editor at Tidbits, correctly pointed out that he's, the guy graduated like, magna cum laude from harvard or something yeah. Like that. yeah i can't remember what yeah, I, think, I think that's right but and you know he's not he's actually not an idiot <laughs> he's just an asshole i guess yeah he's just but a he, cynical you know yeah he's guy yeah. Who's, who's protecting his buddies at the big cable industries yeah it's he's like a cum laude uh laude how do you pronounce it i don't know laude, yeah. i guess if i ever I went to harvard i'd learn that's how right to that's it, right guys but, like us we don't know how to pronounce that right well, <laughs> with my grades, it never really came up. <laughs> it never came up. Uh, yeah, he's definitely not a dummy, but he's definitely a cynical because he knows how to communicate at this sort of caveman level of right. internet, you know, government regulation bad. And that it goes no further than that. And, it, you know, you know, it's the same people who think that the government should uh, cut back on handouts and not decrease the size of their Medicare check. Sure. Right. Social, and Social Security. Right. That's It's the yeah. other handouts. Right. Keep government out of my Social Security. Yeah, keep, that's it. Keep government <laughs> out of my Social Security. Like that, you ask people if you think the government should stay out of Social Security, and you get like a 60% response rate that says, yes, keep them out of Social Security. And it really doesn't make a lot of sense. But anyway, I'm, I'm deeply worried about Twitter and their, their strategy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, like thinking about the future of that does not make me very happy yeah i can't help but think that the translation from whatever language this is written into english that to reach the largest daily audience in the world by connecting everyone to their in the world blah 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 something 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 where they they want to be more like facebook is to me what that means because facebook is more popular and that the target of this message was not normal people it was to bankers and investment people and you know people who've kept twitter's stock it's i think at last i checked it's slightly below where they ipo'd last year so it hasn't cratered it hasn't tanked but nobody has an ipo and hopes that the stock is flat in the first year you know and so there is some definite skepticism and that this is addressed at the people who have more or less kept their stock depressed and in the meantime facebook is going up and up and up and it to me the translation of this is we're going to somehow try to be more like facebook whereas to me right. the whole point of twitter is that it's sort of an anti facebook yeah. And whether that means that inherently they're always going to be smaller than Facebook financially and user base wise, so be it. But at least be true to yourself, you know, and it, the whole reason that you've had any success at all is that you're not them. Right. Right. There's nothing wrong. Sometimes yeah. a great idea isn't going to be the most successful version of that idea. Right. That Twitter, I think, is genius and is so well designed and so clever in so many ways. But maybe the ways that it's genius and simple inherently mean that it can never be as big as Facebook. Right. And so be it. 
it can yeah. still be profitable. It you know, that to me is the 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 scary part of their the strategy statement is that to me it, it somehow translates into we're going to wreck what makes Twitter Twitter. <laughs> Well, it address, addresses nothing uh, about what users like about Twitter. No. Yeah, and it and that seems to be that that to me seems like the thing that you should be doing. The thing you should be doing primarily in your mission statement, and really only in your mission statement. I mean, that's what right. makes the mission statement <laughs> pithy and right. and make it makes it reach people. I mean, I worked at, I worked at a financial services company back when it was good. Um, our, our, uh, the company mission the, statement back when the company was good or when back the when financial the company, industry, back when the company was good. All right. I think so it was the whole a, industry because yeah. if the, you're talking about the whole industry. I thought you're going to have to go back 300 years. No, no, no. Just the company that I worked at and right. their mission statement was improving financial security for people. What was it? That, that's not bad. Yeah. No, it was that's great. actually pretty it was actually, good. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, just like that's what people right. were, you know, they like would taps into the thing that people are worried about. They're worried about their financial security. They want to make sure that they can retire. And right. that's what we did. That was, you know, that's what we tried to do anyway. Right. Um, it's like uh, backblaze for your finances. Yeah. Right. 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 Let you exactly. sleep better at night. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm not joking. Right. No, no you're no, right. That's you're a right. good goal. Right. Yeah. If you feel like your personal, your family's personal finances are in good hands and in sound shape for the future and for retirement, you feel better, you know, just drifting off to sleep at night. Yeah. You know, as opposed to being wide eyed, white knuckled, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what am I going to do? Anyway, we should wrap it up. So it's now I'm going to be wide eyed and wake about Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah. White knuckled. And we've already blown it with app.net. We've already let, we've yeah, already right. let him we sink. let that slide. <laughs> someday. What are we going to do now? Someday we're going to come back hat in hand and they're, they're going to be like, we knew you'd be <laughs> Too <back."> late. Sorry. <laughs> Screw you we people. Told you so. Like everything comes out, everything you type into the box in app.net, just, it just, <laughs> JavaScript just turns it into told you so, told you so, told you so, told you so, told you so. <laughs> Oh, well, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to thank our sponsors, Igloo, uh, Harry's, Great Razor Blades, Backblaze Backup, and, our, of course, our good friends at Squarespace. Um, and I want to thank you, John Moltz. This thank is, you. Uh, you know, this is episode 100 of this, of this oh, podcast. Oh, really? So right. It's I had no idea. One. I was on episode one, you know. I do. I do remember it very clearly. Uh <laughs> So, I, you know, it's a pleasure to have you back on episode 100. Where can people go to find out more about your book? Uh, I will be posting shortly uh, on verynicewebsite.net about it. Um, but if you go to peachpit.com and search on Visual Guide to Minecraft or my name, Moltz, M-O-L-T-Z, it'll come up. And highly for your Minecraft playing enjoyment. Highly recommended for anybody out there. And I, I just know it because every time I bring it up on the show, I get email from people in the same boat as me and, and where you were a year ago where your kid is obsessed with it and you're like, yeah. is yeah. he in a cult? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Should I be worried? Uh, uh, and I think the short answer is no. It's actually an incredibly no, it's great. engaging, no, it's a great creative outlet. And, yeah. and it is the opposite of like mindlessness. It is, right. it is super engaging. And, but if you're as lost as I am, God, buy this book. Okay. Um, uh, so, and otherwise very nice website dot, uh, net. Yes, that's correct. Right. Thank you, John. Thank you. Okay. We got and Skype right. acting all nice. Yeah. Finally. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>